All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, along with a special guest host, recurring guest host, Kenny Cashman, back on He's Done It. And as a Patriots fan, he will join us in our conversation about the recent retirement of wide receiver Julian Edelman. We'll also react to the Masters, Hideki Matsuyama's big win, other notable finishes uh, at this past weekend at Augusta National. And we'll talk about some baseball, some controversial endings that are questioning the use of instant replay. We'll talk about the NHL trade deadline, Bruins making a huge splash to land Taylor Hall. We'll talk about that as well as some other notable trades. And we'll also cover some non-sports topics, uh, notably the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine trials, just our our thoughts on them being paused and just, uh, you know, the vaccines in general as well as counting down our top five national chain restaurants to conclude the show. So with that, let's get started. Brian, you and I are joined by a special guest this week, a recurring guest. Do you want to go ahead and introduce him? Because I feel like I usually do this. I'll let you take a chance here. Well, he went to high school with us, and he's been on a couple times already, like you said. And he was our assassin's target, and that is the one and only Kenny Cashman. Hello. Thanks for having me back. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you back. I mean, at this point, you're a recurring guest. You've been on once a month now since we started this new season. So, like, is that a thing where you're just going to commit to it and, you know, yeah, keep I it mean, going yeah, as long I'm, as we can? I'm good with it. I have no problem. All right, cool. Yeah. So, Kenny, you are a host of the C Team podcast, which just released a new episode this week. It's a weekly episode with you and a couple other friends that we have from high school. Yeah. And you've also really been getting into Twitch streaming lately. Uh, yeah, I have. I've been streaming quite a bit. Uh, it's going okay. Going pretty well. You uh, officially have, what, 50 followers, which means you get subs, and I forget how that works. But. Yeah, I have I have over 50 followers, so I'm able to have subscribers. I have, uh, I think at this point I have like 15 or so subscribers. I got a bunch more okay. last night, which was, which was fun. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it seems like everyone's really getting into Twitch streaming these days. And yeah, I mean, it makes sense with the way everyone's everyone's at home still, or at least yep. a lot of people are still at home. So I think it makes sense. Yep. Yep. So make sure to, uh, you know, follow Kenny on all those platforms, follow his podcast, C-Team Show. And uh, for now, let's kind of get into this. So one big reason why we'd love to, you know, have you on this episode in particular uh, as a, a New England Patriots fan 
you uh, you and Brian are both kind of you know affected by recent news as uh, wide receiver Julian Edelman was recently released by the Patriots with an injury designation and promptly announced his retirement from the league. So I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Really, first off, on the the immediate news that you know Edelman's career has kind of ended in this way. Yeah, I mean, well, I was I was like not I I was I wasn't super shocked uh by the news but it was i wasn't expecting you know on any given day i'm not just expecting to hear this so i, I was i was surprised uh by the news but not shocked that it came uh that i, I kind of thought it might be coming you know i have the exact same sentiment that i kind of figured it was going to happen at some point pretty soon especially with the way how last year went where he played a few games but he was pretty much done after what halfway through the season not even and having a bone-on-bone injury, and given his age as well, being in his mid-30s, I kind of figured it was uh, inevitable evitable that he was going to uh, be gone and retire from the NFL. Yeah, I'd heard, I mean, I heard about the failed physical and that he'd been released, uh, and then immediately, of course, there was speculation about, oh, is he going to go to Tampa Bay, and I was glad that I was glad that he didn't really let that go anywhere. It was there was like a few hours in between, um, but I imagine he had he was probably just waiting to make sure that everything was like final and public and everything. And then he released his video, which was clearly planned. Um, I don't think he had any interest in in letting people be like, "Oh, is he going to go to Tampa Bay? Is he going to play with with Tom and Gronk?" And um, I think he handled it well. I mean, he he did the same thing when Brady left. It was I think maybe four days then. But people were talking then, like, oh, is Edelman going to go to Tampa Bay? Brady left and went there. Is he going to request to be traded? This and that. Uh, and then he just put he just put out, I think that was the first time he ever used Foxborough Forever was a little over a year ago when Tom left. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think he handled it pretty well. Uh, it was, seemed, seemed pretty professional to me. And people have talked about, well, can you come back halfway through next season and play for Tampa right. in like week nine of the year yeah. and come back but i i still don't see it happening especially after failing a physical and right. yeah i think that's the difference because like you can say Gronk came out of retirement and he basically just took a year off like he was at the point he, where he could call it quits like obviously it had taken a toll on his body but it, it wasn't like he had this big injury that he was trying to come back from like you mentioned you know bone on bone is like a pretty bad knee injury and just given his age i i would be shocked honestly if he ends up playing for anyone again whether it's a patriots a box or anyone else yeah, I would be as well. And then for Gronk, it was pretty obvious once he came back and and got traded to Tampa, he was he was done with Bill. He wasn't done with football. He just did not want to play for uh for New England anymore. And I mean, you're never going to you're never going to stop the speculation. You know, people people will will continue with this to be like, "Oh, well, just like they did with with Gronk, where I mean, P- Gronk didn't end up coming back, but people kept asking if he was going to come back for like the Patriots, and like you're never gonna you're never gonna stop it. But it just based on everything I've seen from Edelman over the past decade plus, it it really doesn't seem like him to do this and then come back, especially to go to another team. Like I I take him seriously when he says Foxborough forever. It's not like when Brady said forever a patriot or whatever he said in his farewell letter to the team <laughs> like that that was ridiculous uh, uh but i believe edelman when he says foxborough forever 
So I guess just like, you know, real quickly, though, along those lines. So, of course, Edelman could always say like, yeah, I feel good now. My knee's better. I want to come back and play and play for the Bucks. Does it make sense for the Bucks to bring him in? I mean, Scotty no. Miller is he's <laughs> he wouldn't great. Even be, like, he wouldn't even be the fourth or f- probably be like the fifth best receiver on that team. Yeah. Evans and Godwin are, of course, the, the top two guys. But then, yeah, like Scotty Miller is pretty good. Tyler Johnson's pretty good. And regardless if Antonio Brown comes back or not, uh, those other two guys are pretty solid they uh, secondary Gronk, options. Cameron, so I don't even know if Edelman... Yeah. And then, yeah, and then Gronk and Cameron Braid and who knows if O.J. Howard is ever going to be healthy. I but, mean... Uh, sorry. Yeah, he, wouldn't even, he wouldn't even be the fourth or fifth target in that offense. I don't, At least I don't think he would be. No, I, I agree. And, like, there's no denying the connection between Brady and Edelman, certainly, but, like... It, it wouldn't make sense for the Buccaneers. And I'm I'm sure if Edelman was interested and he was able to do it, I don't think that there would be any... I think that Brady would like would would get it to happen. I think Brady would like for it to happen, even if it didn't make sense for the Bucs. I think the Arians would would allow it because he's just kind of let Brady do what he wants. He, he, let, he let Antonio... Him take right. Antonio Brown on the right. Bucs. So, so, like, I feel like he could get him, but I, I just don't see it happening. And I, I know that... I'm a little bit I, I reacted a little bit differently than than I think at least Brian did and I think than a, a lot of New England did where I was really sad to see Brady go I was really see, sad to see Gronk go with him but I immediately bought a Brady Brady jersey before before his number was confirmed before he confirmed had the number 12 like I followed the Bucks very closely last year they were my number two team like I I became a Bucks fan and I mean like I'm, I was I'm still a Patriots fan I mean I they were the second team I followed for sure as well it, but like it wasn't even really bittersweet for me to see them win the Super Bowl. Like I was, I was just happy. I was full on, like absolutely all in on the Bucks once once they were in the playoffs and the Patriots weren't. Well, I, I uh, was like ninety percent. I'm yeah, happy, yeah. but there's like there's a little part of me. I talked this about this with Corey after the Super Bowl that there's a little bit, little part of me that was like, man, this kind of this kind of sucks. But like, and I get it. Uh, but I, I I was always I was I was all in. Like I I just I don't know I. I have I have my own issues with Tom Brady, but uh, I I just I wanted to see him and Gronk succeed. I grew to like the rest of the team. I really like Mike Evans. Um, so so I it would be cool. It would be cool to see Edelman join the team. Um, it, that one would sting a little more, I think, because like I say, I do believe him when he when he says all the things about New England and and the Patriots and everything. So so I think that one would sting a little more. Um, but I, I I also just I don't see it. I don't see it for. The Buccaneers, I see it for Brady, and I think that that could make it happen for the Buccaneers. But I don't see it for the team as a whole, and I don't see it for for Edelman. So I, I really just don't think I don't think it's going to happen. They don't need him. They just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, I, I they definitely do not need Edelman. Yeah. And it's like I, I think that's really what it comes down to is that he, like Brian said, he want to be like the fourth or even fifth best receiving option for them. Uh, so Kenny, does your dad still have season tickets for Patriots games? Yes. Um, the tickets for this year are paid for, so we're, but I don't know how it works because I think they're getting a ninth game now, which I have only been vaguely aware of how yeah, this is all working. But I don't, yeah, I don't fully know how that's going to work either. Okay, so you you will be there in Gillette Stadium when Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks visit. I right? I hope Most I hope likely. to. I don't know because my dad has two tickets and his friend has two tickets and his friend doesn't often go, but I imagine he's going to go to that one. 
And if he doesn't have someone to bring, then hopefully I can go with my two parents and my dad's friend. If he has someone to bring, which wouldn't surprise me given that it's Brady's return, it'll probably be between my mom and me. Uh, and we'll see. I don't know. Like there, we could always get another ticket. Possibly. I don't know. We'll see. I hope to. I hope to be there. You said another ticket? <laughs> well, uh, another ticket for me. Oh, <laughs> so I will say that I am convinced that if you are in that stadium, you are going to be wearing a Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey rooting for the Buccaneers over the Patriots. No, no. I, am, I don't think I'm I can I'm convinced. Do it. <laughs> well, you say that. Can you root for Tom Brady to throw three interceptions and lose the game? I, I, it's, I am, I'm very torn on this, but part of me would love for Brady to have at the end of this season, a losing record to exactly one team. He can only have a losing record to one team after this season It's the New England Patriots. Cause he's, he's not playing anyone he's tied against. Uh, if I, if I remember correctly, unless they, well, they had to have added an opponent for the Doesn't he have a losing game. record against the Broncos? He doesn't have a losing record against anyone. As far as I'm aware, really? I'm pretty okay. sure the stats are that he's winning or tied against everyone. Um, at least including playoffs, I think. Um, yeah, but that he can would be lose the, the only Patriots. Team I make a, yeah. My my plan, and this could change. You could end up being right here, but my plan is to wear my my Brady Patriots jersey. It's a okay. it's a it's I'm a jersey sure of a player on the Bucks. The stadium will have yeah, that. yeah, because yeah. it's it's you know a Patriots jersey of a Bucks player. Um, it I. It's going to be like Brady's last pass in Gillette Stadium right now is a pick six. Mm-hmm. So it's just that's his last Patriots pass. And then his last pass is a buck. If it's better than that, which I mean, it almost certainly has to be unless it's a it's a further pick six. And that wasn't very long. Uh, it's, it's it's going to be an emotional day. If I'm if I'm there, it's going to it's going to emotions are going to be running high. I don't know what I want. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I just feel like based on the way that you guys have talked about Brady and the Bucks in the past, I, I it almost feels like I know Brian walked back on his whole Tom over team take, but it, it feels like yeah. in the moment, especially with the Patriots, are like four and six, not, and the Bucks are like nine and one. It's not easy, even though I I stand by that. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm more of a Patriots fan, of course, and not really a Bucks fan, and just a Brady fan. But it's it's not easy. <laughs> Well, it's not, and it's like like thinking about it from the other angle of why I would root for the Bucks is like for the Patriots. I mean, it, it, any game can any game is huge in the season. There's not that many games in an NFL season, um, but ultimately, it's one game for the Patriots, and it feels like so much more than one game for the Bucks, or at least for Brady in that in that scenario. It's probably the only time he's going to play the Patriots. I would I would say. I don't think he's going to be with the team long enough to see them again with the Bucks. I don't think that they're going to meet in the playoffs. Um, they, it would have to be the Super Bowl, and I don't see it happening. So it's probably his only game against the, against the Patriots. That's huge. For the Patriots, it's just a game against the Bucks. So, like, that part of I mean, me is it's like— it's also Bill but, against Brady. So yeah. That's true. That's, tr- that's true, but I don't—when I, it comes down to Brady and Bill, I, I care way more about Brady. To Patriots before—Patriots over Brady, but Brady over Bill for me. And, th- and that's why— it's been difficult for me because I've I've said in the past that I'm more of a Brady guy than a Bill guy. Yeah, M- me too. And like, so if we're thinking about it of, of Brady versus Bill, I'd rather see Brady win. And is it? Am I willing to have the Patriots lose one game in one season to have Brady beat Belichick? Part of me is. Part of me is willing. So I don't know. I don't know what jersey I'll wear. I have two Brady jerseys. It'll be tough to tough to pick for that day. But if I'm 
if I'm going with my dad, I don't know if he'll if he'll let me in wearing the Buccaneers one. So we'll <laughs> can see. you get can you get one that has like both of them? Yeah, on it? I was gonna say just cut them in half. It'd be like the old <laughs> uh, you know Brady Quinn and AJ Hawk jersey. The 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 jerseys don't line up, so I'm sure people have made them. But like, I can't. I mean, I would never desecrate both silly. jerseys like yeah. that anyway. Oh, but I know. I'm sure there. I'm sure someone's made them to look okay. I would think, but I haven't seen them. What if you got a a jersey and a hat, and one of them has the Patriots and the other has the Bucks? I mean, that's an, that's an option. It would have to be a Brady hat, though, or else you're wearing a Brady jersey. You're not going to wear a Bucks hat. Yeah. True. Maybe I'll wear my Bucks Super Bowl champions hoodie underneath my Patriots jersey, but then no one will be able to see the Bucks anyway. I don't know. I don't know this. All right. If I get <laughs> yeah, to go know, to the game, you know, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll talk about this in like October again. Yeah. We'll see what the latest is. Uh, for now, let's real quickly before we wrap up the Julian Edelman talk. There's been a lot of debate uh, over the internet and you know on the TV and everywhere the past few days since announcing his retirement. Uh, whether or not Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? I know we kind of talked about this a couple years ago when he won the Super Bowl MVP. Let's kind of bring it up again and, uh, you know, put it to rest. I kind of hate this debate because (laughs) I I know he's not going to get in because I know the Hall of Fame voters, they have, they value the guys like Randy Moss over guys like Edelman who are the scrappy slot receivers, uh, and they value the guys who can take the top over the defense. So I know he's not going to get in. Would I vote him in? I mean, like, I'll admit, out of fandom, yeah. But at the same time, if if he gets voted in, there are going to be a lot of people complaining, well, look at his look at his stats in the regular season. They're not as right. good as Heinz Ward or Jordy Nelson's or who, whoever else has been brought up lately in the Julian Edelman Hall of Fame discussion. And so I don't think he's going to get in. And... Another thing I hate is that Eli Manning, a guy, uh, I know it's a different position, but he's also a guy who hasn't had a lot of regular season success, but has had all the playoff success uh, he's had, especially against the Patriots. And he will get in because of that success he's had in the playoffs and because his last name is Manning. And so uh, I kind of hate it from that aspect. And it stinks that he's not going to get in because... uh, Seventh round pick and one of the toughest players, uh, one really a quintessential New England Patriot kind of player, and uh, just huge fan of him. And yeah, well, and I'll preface this with I agree that I don't think he will get in. Um, I've seen people talk about you know that they would say, oh, if you're going to put him in, there needs to be an asterisk and say for postseason performance or something like that. And like I think that's dumb. I think. I think you should take into account postseason postseason performance because because it, it matters. It's it's part of it's part of the game. Um, if you're on a team that makes the postseason a lot and you help them in that position, I think that's important. So, but I think the decision needs to come from just that. You know, like is the if like Edelman did not does not did not play as well in the regular season as the postseason. That's evident. Does his postseason performance? make up for his regular season performance is the question here and it's not to me it's not like he wasn't bad in the regular season he just wasn't necessarily hall of fame so i don't i'm i'm biased here it's really tough to say oh what would i do if if he were on another team what what would i think i don't know you know i i've seen his career more closely than other players on other teams because i watched the patriots games never for the patriots um 
I don't I don't think you should put it I don't think you should put an asterisk. If he's in, he's in. If he's not, he's not. Um I I I'm the argument I have, because I, I would say yes, that I think he belongs there, and again I'm biased, but he's he was I think a huge impact both on and off the field, not necessarily like out of the stadium as much. Um, but, but like during practices and like on the sidelines, he was, he was always fired up. I think he was, he and, he and Brady both were always like the people that were, that were like in your face if you messed up and like trying to, trying to get people into the game. Uh, and he, I mean, and Edelman always just did what was, what was asked of him, what, what, what they needed him to do. They need him to throw the ball. He's going to just, he's going to throw the ball too. Like, I think he deserves it, but I understand it's a bit of a fringe case, and I get, I get the people saying he doesn't belong there because he seemed to step it up so much in the postseason, and that makes, by comparison, the regular season look not as good. So I mean, I get it. I get why he probably won't get in, um, but he'll he'll be he'll be where he belongs in the uh, in the Patriots Hall of Fame, or I'll get to go see him in there. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be in the Patriots Hall of Fame. I feel like that is. You know, more than enough for him. I, I, yeah. I thought that the Hall of Fame debates for Edelman were ridiculous a couple of years ago. Not something I ever considered. And then he wins Super Bowl MVP. And it's like, oh, can he get in? And Brian, you kind of mentioned him. Heinz Ward is like the comparison. So I think Warren Sharp yeah. really kind of started all this when he just, um, you know, posted on Twitter a couple nights ago. Love Julian Edelman, but compare him to Heinz Ward, who can't make the final bow in Hall of Fame voting the last five years. So catching Heinz 1,000, Julian 620. Hines, uh, 12,083 yards, Julian, 6,820 touchdowns, Hines, 85 to 36. They both won a Super Bowl MVP, and then Hines got four Pro Bowls, Julian Edelman, none. So I loved Hines Ward. He was one of my favorite Steelers of all time, arguably like the number one. He definitely was uh, in the, the heyday of his career. And I've kind of come to accept that he's not a Hall of Famer for whatever reason. Those metrics, like his numbers, he's the kind of guy who is a Steelers Hall of Famer. He meant a ton to the team, but his his stats don't necessarily pop out. So, you know, the way I look at it is if Julian Edelman gets in the Hall of Fame, Heinz Ward should have, you know, gotten in there first. And no, if fair. Heinz Ward gets in, then, okay, we can say maybe Edelman should get in. But, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where how much do you weight playoff performance when it comes down to – Hall of Fame credentials because if you just look at guys' playoff careers, uh, not Julian Edelman would get in because he's second all time in everything when it comes to like you know catches and yards and stuff. Only behind Jerry Rice, who's widely considered the greatest wide receiver ever. Right, people aren't going to catch Jerry Rice, so I wouldn't be surprised if no one did. No, but then I mean, if you look other guys who are you know who have had like the fantastic regular season numbers, you're always thrown out there, like your uh, your Randy Mosses, your Terrell Owens, your uh, Calvin Johnsons, like those guys. They didn't have the playoff success, but they're Hall of Famers because of their regular season performances. So the way I look at it is Edelman probably doesn't deserve to get into the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Maybe down the road, people you know change their minds on this and they'll they'll change how they they view him and like he'll be the kind of guy who gets in and. When uh, you know, you have like I don't know, the, like the legendary like category or whatever, and we're just like, oh, but remember Edelman's playoff performances. But at the same time, who knows how long those stats will stand? Uh, it's kind of right. hard to imagine that somebody would catch them, just given that Edelman has more playoff opportunities than most wide receivers have had. But it, uh, I don't know. Uh, the way I look at it is, I don't don't think he should get in the Hall of Fame. I think it's kind of silly. I think that any you know actual voter is not going to let him in, but. You know, the fact that we're talking about it tells me that there's enough of a chance that maybe someday things will change. Yeah, I mean, like, 
I I would like I would like the Hall of Fame to stay like true. You know, if you look at like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's ridiculous. It's oh, it, yeah. the, the people who get in the Rock and uh, Roll Hall of Fame is like I might be in there and I don't even know. Like, you know, like it's it's just I it would be nice if the if the if the NFL Hall of Fame stayed stayed I guess more pure. So I don't I don't mind Edelman not being in. I I don't think he would really care if as long as he's in the Patriots Hall of Fame. I think that's really what he cares about if he cares at all. Like I think he I don't know. I, I imagine th- I he cares more about be. the rings and the the bus. Yeah, when it comes down to it. Yeah. All right, I think that's uh, that's enough Julian Edelman talk. So let's <laughs> let's move on to our next topic here, and that is the Masters. So this past weekend at Augusta National, Hideki Matsuyama wins the tournament, becomes the first ever male golfer from Japan to win any major, let alone just the Masters, and. Brian, this is a guy that you and I didn't really talk about. Not really someone that a lot of people had mentioned, but he he went out and he had a uh, you know fantastic weekend. And I know that he went into Sunday with a good lead and didn't really do a whole lot to relinquish it. Yeah, I mean, his last win on tour was at the WGC Bridgestone Invitational in 2017. So kind of like Spieth where he hasn't won in almost four years. So I think that's one of the reasons why he wasn't really talked about uh, heading into this tournament, but I actually did like him a little. I, again, I'm not going to pretend, oh, oh, I I thought he was going to win. Of course, I didn't say that, but uh, I did like him coming into this specific tournament because uh, he's actually, dating back to 2015, he's made the cut all six times at the Masters, and that includes five top 20s and two top 10s, and He's been as ranked he's ranked as high as the second best player in the world golf rankings. So, he's not it's not just some jag or scrub that won this tournament. Uh, Matsuyama has been a uh, a great player for many years and even and dating back to 2014, he's ranked in the top 10 in stroke strokes gained approach every single year dating back to 2014. So, he's a world-class iron player and that certainly helped him in this tournament he ranked uh, tied for seventh in greens regulation, and he also uh, benefited from the there was a weather delay in the middle of round three, and he was on the eleventh hole uh, at that point. And once the weather delay ended, he shot six under uh, from holes eleven through eighteen and seven under through that round. So uh, the the rain really benefited him, especially since Matsuyama, even though he's a great iron player, he has never been a great putter, and because the greens were were softened and slowed down a bit because of the rain, it really it benefited a lot of players, but it, it helped him more than more than any other player. And uh, you know, honestly, I'm not gonna sell this Masters as a, a drama filled one, and it wasn't as great as the one we had two years ago when Tiger contended. Because one, everyone loves Tiger, and and not only did Tiger win and contend and win in that Masters, but there were like 10 other guys that were three shots behind, uh, finished three shots behind. And so that Masters kind of spoiled us and there was a lot of people contending and Tiger was there. While this Masters was really, there really wasn't any drama until the 15th hole when Matsuyama puts it in the water and Xander birdies the hole and he gains two shots uh, from that hole and it 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 gets interesting, but then all of a sudden Xander he puts it in the water, and basically just hands Matsuyama the tournament, uh, which was unfortunate. 
Yeah, and in the end, he only won by one stroke, but it feels like this is like probably one of the least dramatic one stroke victories ever. Just uh yeah, you know, he, given he, like you said, like it never was really came down to it. It never felt like, you know, except for that brief moment on fifteen when he did put it in the water that, you know, there's there was any chance that Matsuyama was gonna blow it. And, you know, one thing you'd mentioned, he hadn't won since 2017, but he was number two in the world at one point. Yep, so he's a exactly. guy who, like, I think he's he's kind of become a household name among fans of the PGA Tour and professional golf. And he was one of those guys where it felt like it was inevitable that he'd win a major someday. And I think it's I think it's really I, awesome that I, he's I, able to finally break through. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was happy for him. I was definitely rooting for him on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've always thought that if, even though he's not one of those popular players on tour, I... Uh, I've always thought at some point with his game, he'd win a major at some point. Well, he's maybe not the most popular here, but in Japan, he is like yeah. the biggest thing oh, wait, out there, oh. which it it makes it incredible that he was able to you know win just playing under the pressure he has. It's not even just like he's he's playing for like his family and stuff. Like he's playing Ma- for an Max entire Homa country. Max said <laughs> that exact quote where like, man, I, whenever I play and when I'm winning, I'm winning for my family and friends. Well, Matsuyama has... He's got the a burden of uh, winning for an entire country, so uh, definitely a lot of pressure on him to win, and it was great that he did. So I was, like you said, I'm I was happy for him that he won, and a win like that opens the door for people in his country or even uh, just Asia in general to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, absolutely, and he's he's definitely going to become a legend there, and you know, it's at the point where where golf is definitely seeing a lot of great international players. And I, I really think that it's it's growing uh, at a at a very fast rate right now. So, Kenny, did you watch any of the Masters, or like, what is your uh, level of of familiarity with this tournament at this point? I saw Matsuyama's last two putts because he missed the second yeah. to last one. Uh, that's all I saw. I really don't follow golf. I've personally never found it to be particularly interesting. Not that like. I've watched it a little bit with my parents because my parents watch a lot of golf. I haven't been around them much lately because of, you know, the world. But uh, it's I don't mind it. Like, I, if it's on and I'm watching it, I don't mind it. But I, I don't seek it out. So, no, I didn't I didn't see any of this other than that. Um, the only the only thing that I saw that I was – that I didn't really understand, uh, apparently Jim Nance was, like, getting flack for his call of the winner of, – of I saw that winning. too. Yeah, like, because every every time someone wins, he has some cool one-liner. Oh, uh, is but, that okay? But, be, but because it was Matsuyama, he just said he said something generic in that. Yeah, it was oh, just like Matsuyama. Matsuyama wins. first first Japanese <laughs> player like to the, win a major. He said like the the land of the rising sun has a winner or something like that, right? Like he he put like a little bit into it. He definitely said what the land just, of the rising sun. He got flagged for it, like Kenny said though. All, all, all I heard, because I, like I say, I watched the last two putts because I was trying to hear what gymnast said. All I heard was like Hideki Matsuyama becomes the first Japanese golfer to win the Masters or something. And like, I, I, I didn't know he that he it was a thing where he usually has some kind of one liner. But I heard it and I was like, that was fine. I don't, I don't love gymnasts, but like that seemed fine. <laughs> I didn't understand. But uh, if it's a if it's a break from form, I suppose that I could call in a question why, but. I, I don't know. I didn't see any problem with it. I didn't really understand I, I did, when I, I saw it why that was. I saw that too, and I yeah. I didn't have a problem with it. I, I think it was I, just one guy. I saw some. 
Yeah, I saw some critiques about him and like the way he did the interview with um, Matsuyama and his interpreter. There were times where he was talking to the interpreter instead of Matsuyama, which I think that's reasonable. But I I didn't necessarily think that there was any kind of big issue with his last call. The only the one thing I did here was that there you know a lot of people were having speculation um, when you know Xander Schauffele was starting to make a comeback. Are we gonna get an X gun? Give it to you or some other reference to to DMX who passed away a couple of days before. Oh man. If I were an announcer, and wait, why? Why? Well, is his name his name is Xander. His name is Xander. So it's oh, yeah. So yeah. X, I got X, okay. Yeah. Oh man, uh-huh. if if I were an announcer, though, I definitely would have used a line like that if Xander made the comeback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, I, I don't know. You know, I can't speak to everyone, but I, I went into this like I wanted. I can't even say I wanted John Rom to win. I just decided that John Rom was going to win. And I'm convinced if the Masters is a week long, he was winning this because he shot even, 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 but then he shoots minus six on Sunday. He saved the best for last. It's just, you know, the tournament wasn't long enough for him. But, you know, outside of that, I, I didn't want Matsuyama to blow this. And like you, you were big on Will Zalatoris. And I think there are a lot of people who are rooting for Zalatoris, but they're like, you know, how much yeah, of it no, do you I, want Matsuyama to throw so a, blow a five stroke lead? I know I it? brought him up last week. And it was cool that he actually did contend, and uh, I love Especially that. Especially with Bryson DeChambeau <laughs> kind of blowing yeah, it yeah, after God. he picked uh, him to win again. Uh, well, well, first, uh, well, before I get to Zalatoris, you oh, want me okay. to stick with Zalatoris? No, no, it's fine. If you, no, I mean, it's just before. like with Bryson. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge Bryson fan, and I know everyone hates, basically everyone hates him, and that's kind of yeah. that, that kind of helps for my case to liking him more. It's like, oh, everyone hates him. Everyone hates him except me. That's great. It's it's but, great to have a villain like that. Yeah. And I know no, he's great for the easy to root so for. So whether villain. if you like him or not, he he is hundred percent great for the game of golf because of how he is hated. Mm. And uh I mean, so I I totally believe I truly believe that at Augusta I I I, I value distance more than accuracy. But dude, you gotta hit it in the fairway a little. He was he he hit 55% of his fairways, which was 13% below the field, the entire field. Like, dude, you got to have a little bit of distance control off the tee. A l- you just a little. That. And I feel like accuracy has to be important. No, it, it is, but I value distance more. Played. And I know guys like Spieth and Patrick Reed who don't have a lot of distance off the tee have one, but I, I, I truly believe that it's one of the most important traits to have at, at this tournament. But... I mean, another thing is his his greening regulation percentage. It was eighty three percent in round two, which was the one round he had that was great. But other than that, he sucked at hitting the greens. And so, you know what? It he he should have just come out and remember remember when uh, remember when Pedro Martinez talked about the Yankees and he said like, yeah, the Yankees they're my daddy. He should he should have just yeah. come out and said, yeah, Augusta National is my daddy. And that and then so <laughs> patrons next year can chant, who's your daddy? Every time he tees it off next year, yeah. He, he, yeah. I'm super high on him long term, but this course, no, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm out on Bryson at this course until he proves, proves otherwise. So Kenny, and I guess for other listeners, just for reference, um, Bryson Ashambo famously said before the tournament in November that the, um, you know, for him, the course was a 67 par 67 instead of a par 72 because of his long driver. And what did he shoot? A plus five for the tournament uh, compared to a 72. So it would have been like a plus 20 or something. Yeah. He meant, he meant to, to say his, par 77. Yeah. 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 And that's right. another thing. Everyone yeah, will, everyone for the rest of his life, uh, everyone's going to use that 
bring that up every time he plays at at the Masters. I mean, that's literally the only thing I know about him now. But yeah, he deserves it. I think it's fair criticism. (laughs) I mean, I I'm I'm his biggest fan. I'm I'm sort of criticizing him. Like, come on, you gotta you gotta hit (laughs) hit a little bit more accurately than than he did. And but yeah, back to Zalatoris. I I was I was pretty high on him and coming into the tournament, even though he was debutant and. I'm I'm glad that part was proven right. That uh, and I, I get a lot of people definitely embrace the fact that he looked like Happy Gilmore's caddy and not the the one who looked homeless. His first one uh, in the beginning of the movie and Will Zalatoris actually embraces that too. And uh, he on his lob wedge he has a the his quote where it says, "Mr. Gilmore, I'm your caddy." He has that quote ingrained in uh, his his wedge, which I think is awesome. So. It's cool that he embraces it like everyone else. And Adam Sandler had tweeted uh, something pretty funny as well, saying that, like, yeah, I'm rooting for you. Good luck. And and, and it was a side-by-side picture of the caddy and Will's out Taurus, which was cool. And and the fact that he finished just one shot of the leader is just is truly impressive. Yeah, because a rookie hadn't won the Masters since 1979. That's that's another thing that they say about this course is that you have to have some experience. Like guys who have who have won there before, played there a lot of years, they have a bit of an edge. And I know that's been uh, one of the knocks against Zalatoris in a lot of tournaments, and he's still been able to win them. So exactly. I do think it's exciting. I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes from here because there have definitely been some guys that you kind of think are going to be the next big thing. And this is, this is kind of like his... His uh, you know, intro, his welcome to the the you know the world of golf, and at this kind of stage, so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if he can turn around and actually win one of these major tournaments in the you know the next year or two, or if it's just kind of like a one hit wonder type deal. And obviously, I'm I'm a believer that he can pull that off at some point. It's it's hard to argue against it after his performance this weekend. So, all right, with that, let's uh, let's kind of take a quick break from the sports topics. We'll get back to them, but I, I do want to kind of break this up a little bit here. And, you know, we, we've talked about how we are in a, a COVID world still. The pandemic is still going on, but there is hope that you know, for a lot of people, they can kind of start getting back to normalcy. And that's because uh, of the vaccine efforts that are going on here in the United States. So, um, a day or two ago, the Johnson and Johnson COVID vaccine trials were were recommended to be and actually paused by the CDC and the FDA over concerns with blood clots. There were six cases in uh, women out of the nearly seven million shots that were administered. So, I guess first off, what are your guys' thoughts on on the vaccine at this point? Or I I got my first dose. I'm getting my second dose next week. Are you guys planning on getting your your yeah, vaccines? Yeah, so I'm getting my first dose April 30th. Uh, so in about a couple weeks from Friday. I originally had it in the beginning of May, but I tried to find a sooner date when which in which I did. And so. And, and you I'm, say first dose. So, like, I got the dose, Pfizer. Yes. It's two yeah. doses. You're not doing the Johnson & Johnson, no, obviously, I'm if it's get first and second dose. Pfizer. Okay. Yeah, I'm unfortunately not eligible yet uh, in Massachusetts. Still still waiting. Uh, everyone's supposed to be here eligible here the 19th. So, I don't know what appointments will look like. It might be, like, late May before I even get the first. I don't know. I just bought concert tickets for the first time in so long. So I'm, I'm still hopeful. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping they're for 2022, but, uh, okay. 
but yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not quite there yet. But as soon as, as soon as I'm able, as, there, as soon as they let me know there's appointments, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be, as long as it's not the Johnson Johnson vaccine, getting it uh, as soon as possible. All right, so you are like a little nervous about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, given this. Well, so it's funny because it was, it was just within the last couple of days that this happened, right? Yeah, like, I, I mean, like it, it was just it was either yesterday or the day before at the yeah, time of recording. Because it was crazy. It. I was talking to a friend on Saturday, so so a couple of days before this happened, and she was telling me about she lives in New York, and she was telling me about how people were like traveling all the way upstate to get the vaccine, like the Pfizer or the Moderna, because the only the Johnson and Johnson was available closer to them, or that people were like canceling their appointments and like refusing it because they didn't want the Johnson and Johnson. And I think it was just because it it's shown to be slightly less effective. It was like in the 80s, I think, uh, percentage wise. As low as like 68 percent. I don't know. If that's, I, I'd that's seen changed, some. Yeah. I'd seen some reports in the 70s, but I hadn't heard 60. But but when I when I heard it was like seven in the 70s, even I was like, personally, if they had an appointment, and it was Johnson and Johnson. I'm gonna get it. I understand people's concern, uh, but I'm gonna do it. And then like two days later, all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, the CDC and the FDA are recommending that they pause this. And I was like, oh, I guess my friend turned out to be right about this and there is <laughs> yeah. reason to be concerned. So I think the, the combination of hearing that and then a couple of days later, the, the blood clot reports. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about the Johnson & Johnson at that point, yeah. What about you, Brian? I mean, obviously like you're scheduled to get the Pfizer, yeah. like I'm not going to get it either. I mean, yeah, so. that, would, that would worry me for sure. Like just seeing all the reports about the blood clots, uh, of of from the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So yeah, like I'll admit, like if I were getting it and reading these reports, yeah, that pro- that would uh that would worry me a little. I so, mean oh, like I mean I've, you go ahead, Kenny. I, I've been I've been waiting for a long time for this now. Uh, I'm still waiting. I still don't know when I'll be able to get it. And uh and Part of me, I'm getting like a sort of a sort of FOMO hearing everyone getting the vaccine. I feel like I'm going to be the last person I know to get it. Yeah, like, I, I was feeling that same way. Yeah, so it's really unfortunate. But at the same time, I've waited this long. If it's going to be like an extra week or a couple weeks or even a month to not get the Johnson & Johnson after this, yeah, I, I, if, it had, if there had been like a few cases and the, and the CDC and the FDA were like, hey, yeah, these things happen but it's fine. I would have been like, okay, I trust them. I, you know, I, I trust these medical professionals and scientists to, to guide me in the right direction, but they're guiding me away from it. So I'm going to, if it, if it's a little extra weight, I'm going to wait. Isn't the, aren't they just pausing it for a few days or a week tops or? I don't know. I'm yeah. Sorry, okay. So, all right. So basically, so I guess just kind of circling back, you know, I, I initially, I wanted the Johnson and Johnson and I get that it's like less effective in terms of preventing, you know, being infected but they still say it's 100 percent when it comes to severe illness so i'm like okay if i get the johnson and johnson it's just one shot i hate needles i am not a fan like even with the covid vaccine it's like i'm still nervous i'm like oh no like you know going into it even though this is like the only shot i've ever looked forward to getting in my entire <laughs> life uh, so i like the idea of just having you know one and done shot even if you know being willing to take my chances at that point especially given that i'm already pretty low risk um but 
I, I think it's kind of ridiculous that the FDA and CDC did this. And I, I understand that they are pausing because they want to, you know, do a little more research, be able to say, hey, like this is what happens in these rare events. But the reality is there have been six cases of blood clotting out of seven million vaccine doses. You're talking one in a million, not even. And just the odds of having like blood clotting and just the general population are exactly the same. So there's no there's no way to know for sure that it's related to the vaccine. Like these are all cases that could just be totally coincidental. But anything that happens, like if you have a heart attack that, you know, if you die in a car crash on the way home from getting the vaccine, they have to report that as some kind of like adverse reaction or whatever. So it's to me, I think that all this is doing is it's just all the people who are fearful of this vaccine, this idea that the government's just out to put microchips in people or it like it, there hasn't been enough testing and all this stuff. I feel like it's just giving them more reason not to do it. Yeah. And from one hand, I'm like, OK, well, if I'm vaccinated, who cares if others aren't? But at the same time, who knows what's going to happen if the virus can continue to spread? Like to what point does it mutate that it the vaccines don't actually protect you? So. I guess that's that's where I'm looking at it. I think there's already enough doubt in these vaccines and AstraZeneca is doing the same thing. And, you know, maybe, maybe there is actually something here. Maybe I'm not taking this seriously enough, but it just feels like the statistical odds of this are so low, especially when the coronavirus itself gives like 20 percent of people who get it blood clots. And like if you end up in the ICU, you're probably blood clotting. So it just it feels like the the risk level is so low that. It, the the reward outweighs the risk by keeping it going and the risk of pausing it outweighs the reward of a few extra days of doing studies. I guess my thing is, is if you don't w- want to get the vaccine because like you said, Corey, if, if you're afraid of needles or if you're someone that is worried about long-term side effects from it, then I get it. But if you're someone that doesn't want to take the vaccine because you want to generate a, a political battleground, then I I can't agree with you on that. I, I, I don't like it when people say they don't want the vaccine because of po- because of political reasons. I, I'm, I'm totally not for yeah. that. I understand some of the fears, admittedly. I get that, you know, this vaccine feels like it's been rushed even. But like the, the reality is they, they had this technology for decades. They just haven't had to use it. Like they had a starting point. It wasn't like they were going from ground zero. But I, I understand those fears. I don't want to play devil's advocate with this, though, because I, I want the pandemic to be over. Yeah. I want us to totally get back that, to normal. That, that... I, I want it you know, as many people to have immunity to this virus as possible. I want to get to the point where COVID is just a common cold at worst. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I share the exact same thought. I want, I want this to be over <laughs> so badly. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I, I agree with you, Corey. And, and I thought that too, when I saw that it was six cases that like, it does seem like a severe reaction to, to pause it. But I, I get I, one thing I've just been trying to do this whole time is trusting the people who I know, know more than I do, you know? So it's, yes, that seems like a very low number, but if they see reason, that's why I'm just like, yeah, if, if I got a text that a Johnson and Johnson appointment was available today, I'd probably say no. If I, if in a week they say we're good to keep going and then I get that text. Yeah, I'll go. Absolutely. I'll go. Um, I don't like needles either. I don't know the last time I got a needle. Um, but I'm, you know, two needles to, to be done with this, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and, and I did, I have thought about that too, of like, 
this just seems to give ammunition to the people who are like, see, this was rushed. There is this wrong. And I guess my, my feeling is that those people are going to say what they're going to say regardless. And if they're going to sway people, those people maybe were going to be swayed anyway. And certainly having actual evidence helps them. But I, I don't, I think that it's, I think you're right that it potentially the, the costs could outweigh the benefits here, but I think maybe it couldn't, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. It's, it's, it's certainly tough to say. And, uh, this is not political. I don't understand how this became political in the first place. It's, it's a pandemic, dude. It's the whole world. It has nothing to do with your political party. I don't know. It's ridiculous. So I mean, my my hope is that you know whatever happens, whenever we're we're fully vaccinated, that we can you know go back to normal and just you know hope for the best with everyone else. So, all right, I guess uh, with that, let's get back to the sports topic and another controversial topic in the sports world, and that is instant replay in baseball. So. Within the, the past week, so within the, the first week of Major League Baseball season, uh, we, we've already had a couple huge incidents uh, can, involving instant replay, both within the NL East. So last Thursday, the New York Mets and the Miami Marlins were playing. It's tied 2-2 two to two in the bottom of the ninth. Michael Conforto is batting for the Mets with the bases loaded and one out. He has two strikes on him, and closer Anthony Bass throws a pitch that hits Conforto in the elbow as the umpire is getting ready to ring him up for strike three, but then he realizes that Conforto was hit by the pitch and he lets him advance to first base. Now, replays show that it was clear that Conforto kind of leaned into this pitch with his elbow and not only leaned into it, but he leaned into the strike zone. It's a pitch where it would have been a strike if it didn't hit him and it would have been an out. Umpire is kind of reconvened. And they, you know, it was determined that they could not review intent on this. Uh, They can't review balls and strikes. So Conforto ends up standing as a hit by pitch. It's a walk off the Mets win. And then on Sunday night, a few days later, the Atlanta Braves are playing the Philadelphia Phillies. Another game that's tied six to six. This time in the top of the ninth, the Phillies have a runner on third, one out. And shortstop Didi Gregorius hits a little short fly ball that's fielded by Braves outfielder Marcelo Zuna and Alec Bohm, who's on third base decides to test out Ozuna's arm and you know run home uh to score the go-ahead run Ozuna's throw seemingly beats Bohm to the plate but Bohm does this little spin move and he's ruled safe and replay appears like he doesn't touch the plate at all and this time they actually reviewed it and the umpire has decided, nope, he is safe. And the Phillies go on to win the game 7-6. to six. So I guess the first question is, let's kind of talk about these instances separately and then kind of go into the overwhelming you know, thought of instant replay from here. So let's talk about the Mets-Marlins situation. Do you believe that you know, the, the way that this was handled could be improved or... Uh, you know, I guess in terms of like the, the instant replay aspect, do you think that's something that should be reviewable? Personally, I think across sports, if you have instant replay, everything should be reviewable. I don't understand why it's like, oh, no, sorry, we can't review that. So, but, but you can look at the replay. You can see that you got the call wrong. Why is that not reviewable? And I, I people people say that like, oh, it makes the game slower and it does this and that. But I think if you want to if you want to keep the game from getting slower there are other ways to do that 
I'm, I'm a big fan of getting rules right. Um, so I just think everything should be. So yeah, I think that that should have been reviewable. I think it's clear that he leaned into it. It's clear that he leaned into the strike zone. Uh, the outcome was crazy that it wasn't that it wasn't changed there. I agree with most of what most of the what Kenny said. That I think that play specifically where Conforto gets hit by the hit by pitch and uh, and and then they win the game. Like that that play should have been reviewable, and it was clear that it would have been a strike if he did not lean into the strike zone. I guess the one thing I disagree with Kenny is that. Yeah, instant replay does make the game slur. I need, and Corey, I'm sure with the look on your face, you you knew where I was going with that. And yeah, yeah. I think the thing with re- instant replay is that if you don't know the answer right away, just say that it's inconclusive and just move on. But with that specific play, you can tell that it would have been a strike, and that should have been that that should have been really easy to figure out. I don't know why that it it wasn't they they weren't able to figure it out. And yeah, that. That something like that should be reviewable, and I I don't know I don't I don't get why they couldn't fix it, but yeah I mean I I also disagree with Kenny in the sense that everything should be reviewable. I do think there should still be some limitations. I I do think the human element should still play somewhat of a role in this. I don't think balls and strikes should be reviewable, but I I definitely think that the the hit by pitch rule should be reviewable. You can review whether a player is actually hit by pitch. You can't review intent. Regardless, it shouldn't have come down to instant replay. And I think this kind of goes into the Braves Phillies matchup where it's this to me it just comes down to an umpire making a call on the field and not wanting to change his call. But the fact that he went to ring up Michael Conforto, say this is a strike, this is strike three, and say no, it hit him. Shouldn't that give away that he, he, he was putting into the, his the strike zone? He was putting his arm up, about to call a strike, and then he was like, no, 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 hit by pitch, and and yeah, then points it, to first base. It just that just makes no sense to me how you can say that it was a strike, but that it hit him, so it's not a strike. You you aren't allowed to lean into the the you know the strike zone you're not allowed to just jump on the plate and say oh I got hit by a pitch take one off the stomach for the team so and I think that kind of gets into the Braves Phillies one where this is a play where if you look at instant replay it seems fairly clear like I understand that the call in the field is that he was safe but I mean when you guys look at the replays I assume you've watched the replays do you do you see like oh yeah like he definitely touched the plate or he definitely didn't touch the plate no he did he He definitely did not touch the plate yeah, so then that kind of brings in the question is, all right, why do we have instant replay in general if we're not going to overturn a call on the field? And I, I think that I am a huge fan of instant replay. I do not think that we should get rid of it because it slows the game down. I think that it should still be used. But I, I understand why people are going to have these questions. And it's like if you're just going to stick with the call on the field even when it's proven to be wrong, then it, it makes sense to have these doubts. And I think that it just goes into the, the whole like umpires in general and just some of the the bad officiating that we have, particularly in the sport of baseball right now. That's that's my thing with instant replay is that I I, I do like it, but I, I've seen it too many times like this instance where they use instant replay and they still don't get it right. And so if you don't get it right even using it, then what is the point of it? And so, yeah, that that was extremely frustrating, even though I'm not a fan of any either of those teams. Uh I, I, I want to first make clear, I, my intention wasn't to argue that instant replay does not slow the game down because, of course, fa- <laughs> no, I, factually I it does. Yeah, you, uh, you did say that it slows the game down. It, and so. it does. And I don't think that we should have, you know, seven minute replays on every single pitch of a baseball game. But but it just it's there. So use it, I guess, is my I, I understand. Like these calls were ridiculous. 
and it's clear that something in the system doesn't work. But it's crazy to me that people's solution here is, well, we might as well just get rid of instant replay. Like, oh, it's not working in its current form. Get rid of it. No, fix it. Because yeah. I, I'm, I, just, I'm a huge I, I fan of... I don't want them sorry, to get rid on. of instant replay. I just want them to get right. it right. I don't, I don't... No, exactly. I, I, love, I love rules and I love when they are followed and when things are correct. And so I want instant replay there. I want them to be able to look quickly and say, yeah, we messed that up. Um, I... You know, I'm not smart enough to know all the what all the things they could do to to fix this to make it better. Personally, I don't think if the human element isn't necessary, there's no reason for it. I think it is necessary in a lot of situations. I don't know what is capable in terms of like sensors in the ball and at the plate and and everything. If you could like if that could determine balls and strikes without a human there, which I think it could because they show it on TV. Uh, they show every time the umpire gets it there, wrong. Yeah, I mean, there have been some leagues that have experimented with robot umps. I, right. I don't know if we'll get to that point because I've also seen it go horribly wrong where the, you know, the robot says that something's a strike when it's not in the strike zone. So th- there there could still be some glitches with it, but it, it, right. the concept makes sense. Like you said, you have the stat cast. You can see if it's a ball or a strike. And right. you could see that the, the pitch, like if you're just watching the Mets-Marlins game on like the game cast on your phone, you would see a strike you know, in the strike zone, but it's ruled a hit by pitch. So, right. And if that takes an extra two seconds per pitch, I don't think that's a big deal because there's a, there's a little bit of delay between pitches anyway. So like, mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. I saw, this was in regards to football, but I saw some tweet years ago now where it was like, what people don't understand about, about like replays be, or, or plays being overturned on uh, looking at the replay is that you're asking a man to come onto the field and tell an entire stadium full of people that he was wrong. And it's like, it yep. was a funny tweet, but I'm like, actually, that is a really good point. I, I mean, I would be intimidated doing that, coming and saying, hey, I was wrong to tens of thousands of people, but it's also their job and they need to do it because there are just calls that are so obviously incorrect all the time. Upon one look at replay, they, they spend seven minutes looking at what everyone saw in the first 10 seconds and they get it wrong. So I don't know if it's a matter of someone else looking at the replay, not the person who made the call in the first place. I, something so, as simple as that well, feels like it might other, help. No, other leagues do that. And I mean, I know some of the NFL started doing a few years ago, but then they just had one guy, Al Riveron, making every single call, like right, basically right. being the rule master. And I know the NBA does something similar. I'm pretty sure that Major League Baseball, like when they do the replays, I'm pretty sure it goes to someone else and it's not always just ums looking at it. But I mean, I, I could be wrong with that because I'm pretty, I don't know if it's a crew chief for the home plate umpire who makes that call because it was a play at the plate. So if it's a home plate umpire, he's, he's overturning his call and that kind of what it goes back right. to. But even then, if it's like, no, it's, you know, the, the crew chief is at second base this game. He's the one who makes the call. It's like, this is a guy he works with. He doesn't want to say that he's wrong, but that that's not what the, the thought process should be. The idea should be like, Hey, we have this in the game because human errors happen. happen. And we want to get these calls right. And I don't know if there's like this idea that if an umpire is consistently wrong and having things overturned, they're going to lose their job and like they don't want that to be an issue. But I think that it's just a way to kind of make sure that these things get corrected. And the reality is officials are right 95% of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just like in those like few instances where things are wrong, it's it's nice to be able to, you know, have the option to take a look at it, especially when it's super consequential where you're talking about the difference between winning and losing for these teams. 
And, and if an umpire is wrong a majority of the time, not to be rude, but they probably should lose no, their they, job. They absolutely should at that <laughs> That's point. That's terrible. You got to do your job or else you lose it. That's how it works in every profession. Yeah, I know. The The NFL did have to fire a ref a few years ago for being just a terrible official. So there, there is like yeah, a little bit of a precedent, but yeah. I don't know. No, I, 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 think, I think there are problems, but saying, oh, well, we might as well just get rid of it is like, Absolutely, a step in the wrong direction. It's several steps in the wrong direction. That's yeah, crazy. No, I, 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 agree I want with that. I want both parts uh, to be to be in the game: the human element and instant replay. I want a combination of both. I I imagine that there will be some kind of takeaway from these two events, given that they happen so early in the season, right next to each other. But you know, Major League Baseball has had issues with instant replay. Other sports have had in the past, so in some ways, it might just be wishful thinking. Uh, we'll see if we find ourselves talking about baseball again on this podcast anytime soon for these reasons. But for now, let's move on. Let's talk about the NHL trade deadline that happened this past Monday. And there were a few notable deals in the final days before the deadline, but we'll start with one that is uh, particularly notable given the team that involved, and that is the uh, Boston Bruins trading for Taylor Hall. He is uh, the the 2017-18 Hart Trophy winner, MVP of the league, someone who's not necessarily having the greatest season, but he's widely regarded as one of the top talents to acquire at the deadline, and he goes to your Bruins, Brian. So what are your thoughts on this trade? Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of this trade. I, I know Taylor Hall is, outside of his MVP year, he's been... I'm pretty a pretty massive underachiever. To put it blunt, he's basically been a loser for most of his career. And <laughs> he's only made the playoffs twice and one of those times he was traded halfway through the season from the New Jersey Devils to the Arizona Coyotes last season and they were also a 12 seed in the bubble. So a, they were an 11 seed or 11 seed, what whatever. Yeah. Like Either way, I mean, that doesn't even count, really. So he's really only, in my mind, he's really only made the playoffs once in his entire career. But part of that, part of that is on him. But part of that is also just the fact that he's just been surrounded by pretty bad losing environments as well. So I think for him to be in Boston, where he doesn't have to be the man, I mean, he's playing the second line uh, left wing behind Marshan. So. it's pretty obvious that he does not have to be the one that has to be counted on. So I think that's great from that aspect. I also like that uh, you get you finally get someone for Krejci because David Krejci, uh, ever since his 2011 year where he was the near Smythe winner outside of, if it weren't for Tim Thomas, he probably would have won it. Uh, outside of that year, he's been really just up and down as a, as a centerman on the Bruins. And he really hasn't, uh, been great ever since Milan Lucic and Nathan Horton have ha- haven't been on the team, and I think to have someone like Taylor Hall, a uh, high end, top end talent, uh, kind of goal scorer uh, or playmaker is is going to be huge for him. And I I know Taylor Hall only has two goals this year, but uh, I like the high end talent he can provide. And they did not give up much to get him. Uh, they they only gave up a second round pick and. Uh, Andres Bjork. I mean, it's kind of a little, but it's it's not a. They didn't have to trade a first round pick, and it, it sounds like Taylor Hall wants to be there long term as well. He, he, I remember when he was drafted by Edmonton, he actually was hoping to be uh, dropped to 
the second overall pick to Boston because Bobby Orr was his agent and obviously he was a longtime Bruin and I think he's always respected the Bruins organization. So I, I like the trade and there is some risk because they give up a second round pick and I mean Bergeron and Krejci, they were second round picks and Marshan was a third round pick. So there's some risk involved, but overall I'm definitely a fan of the trade. They are desperate. They're The Bruins are... I feel like I'm beating the same drum every time we talk about hockey and the Bruins is that they need more secondary scoring after Bergeron, Marchand, and, and Pasternak. So I like the trade. Yeah, and one one thing that Hall said was like he really likes the idea of being able to go to Boston because he's just one of the guys. He's not the guy. So I, I mean, based on everything that I've heard in terms of what the Bruins gave up, like this is a, a loser trade for the Sabres uh you know the fact that they had this guy that was supposed to be like they're one of the the big things coming into the season someone who could potentially lead them to the playoffs things don't go well and then this is all they get for him he it's uh they could have gotten they could have gotten a first round pick for Taylor Hall but because he had a no trade clause he yeah blocked those trades and limited it it was clear that he clear that he wanted to be in Boston that was definitely his top priority so yeah they Go ahead, Kenny. When I was looking, because I don't, I don't follow ho- hockey very closely anymore, but I was looking into this trade and everything, and I saw a lot of people upset with the Sabers. But I, th- this is, I think, best case scenario for them. It's, it's clear that Buffalo wasn't a good fit for him. He wasn't, he wasn't doing well there. Not that anyone's doing well in Buffalo. Uh, and, and like you say, he, I think he had two teams. I don't know who the other one was. I don't know if that's public. Who the other team was that he was willing to go to but the Bruins were I think one of two from what I heard so I don't think they were getting better than a second round uh it seems like they're just trying the the Sabres are just trying to gear up for maybe winning in the future because it's not in the cards I mean mean, they're they're they're, (laughs) that's I feel like that's been in play for forever for Buffalo they haven't made the playoffs in a decade so right but it's I don't know if they're not planning for the future still like what are they doing it's mm-hmm. they're they're ten- no, they, they, had, they, they to had to trade now, Taylor Hall they had right. to trade was- him and you're right they got the best they could do but <laughs> the reality is there is this expectation they'd be able to get more I get I guess like I don't understand why people are upset with the Sabers because if this is a disappointment to you so has so has the last decade been a disappointment and like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be surprised there shouldn't yeah. be disappointment because this like they're not good. <laughs> No, I, I do think that it's it's not totally fair to put this on the Sabres and like be upset with them. I think it's just like the reality is the Sabres have been a, a joke for the last decade and this is just another thing to add to the list where they have a they can they get a one of the best players in the league to sign with them for a year and then they end up trading him for less than face value. Right. Do no fault of their own, because there's no trade clause, but still. Well, I, I mean, I stopped paying attention to hockey like maybe five or six years ago, and like I still, I still tune in every now and then. But I stopped following it closely in like 2015, 16. The Sabers were already a joke, so like nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah. I haven't really missed uh-huh. much uh, for for the Sabers. It looks like so. I don't know. Maybe maybe Sabers fans are just always upset. They probably should be, uh, given given the history. Yeah. I know that Sabres fans are are very upset. Luckily for them, the Bills are you know finally turning it around, so they at least have one team to be happy yeah, lucky about. For, lucky for them. <laughs> lucky for them. Um, so I guess Kenny, Kenny, you used to be a huge Los Angeles Kings fan, but it sounds like you might not be able to weigh in on what the Penguins are getting and Jeff Carter at this point. Um, I mean, I really liked Jeff Carter when I when I when I was uh, more into hockey. I don't I don't know if he's if he's still so if he's still like as good as he was. So, I imagine not. So Jeff Carter was definitely a big part of the 
of the 2014 team that uh, for the right. Kings when they won it all. But he's not. He's definitely out of his prime now. But the Penguins did not give up too much to get him. So I I think it's a solid trade f- for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think like a conditional third this year and a fourth yep, round pick next year. It's it's not a ton, but that being said, the Penguins don't have a whole lot of uh, draft picks because their former manager, uh, general manager, GM, Jim Rutherford, gave out a lot of draft picks to bring in talent. So I, I think there were some complaints with that. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. Jeff Carter, he's a guy who has championship experience. He's not having the most amazing season. His eight goals are still four times more than... Taylor Hall, though. So, <laughs> I mean, it, the the Penguins have been devastated by injuries yet again, particularly of Genny Malkin at the center position. So Carter comes in, and he's a guy who can be the number two center, and he'll, he'd be a great third-line center. So I'm, I'm excited about this. I think it's one of those, for the most part, you could say it's a low-risk, I don't know if high-reward move makes sense, but uh, certainly not giving up there, a ton in this case. I would say potentially more, more reward than... Risk. Yeah, yeah. The, maybe not high reward, but like medium yeah. high. You know. Yeah, I think they're they're getting more than they got when they traded for Patrick Marlowe last year. It's not just all right. You know, thanks for everything. San Jose sucks. Go try to win a ring ring in Pittsburgh. Like Carter is someone who's expected at least do something and contribute to this team. So yeah, I I would like to say just out of sheer coincidence, the the two years that the Kings won the championship were like the 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 height of my fandom and i got accused of bandwagoning but i became a king's fan in like <laughs> yeah. 2008 or 9 you, and then in 2012 and 2014 you're they a fan were of their ahl H- team so right. exactly. naturally they go they get called up right. and you're so like a couple years after i started following the monarchs it was like oh all these players i i watched here in manchester they're in la yeah i'm gonna root for them and like my mm-hmm. dad's starting to not like the bruins so we'll watch king's games and then oh look the kings are getting good and they won two stanley <laughs> cups that's cool yeah uh, and then I kind of fell off with hockey, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I hope it works out for Jeff Carter. I don't, I don't love, I don't love Pittsburgh in general, if I'm being honest for, no, for mostly football related it. reasons, but, yeah. uh, you know, penguins are definitely maybe... not because of the pirates. I'll say that so. <laughs> no, Peng- I can get behind the penguins just cause I don't know. I like penguins. A lot of people hate the penguins, <laughs> but like they have a fun mascot. Well, I, I like Crosby too. So I know. appreciate that. I know he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's uh, my I Tom know. Brady. So. That's fair, and I, I, you know, I know some people. Some people don't like him, but I have no reason not to. I, I've, I've had fun watching him in the past. So, you know, g- good luck to Carter. I'm good with it. All right, I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so, so Brian, just like a, a couple other trades that kind of want to talk about, and really focusing on you because I imagine you have uh, the most insight out of the three of us. So, the Islanders pick up Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the Devils. Uh, I think they gave up a first round pick. But they uh, they didn't really give a whole lot to get those two guys. This is a move where a lot of people are saying that the Devils basically just gave them away to the Islanders, and that this is the kind of all-in move that Islanders fans have been waiting for for a long time. Do you want to kind of give your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think Travis Ajak and Kyle Palmieri, they're, they're, I mean, yeah, they're solid guys. I mean, they're New Jersey. I mean, they're not <laughs> Devils aren't a great team, and those two were uh, two of their best players. And so I, I, I would like the move. If I were an Islanders fan, especially since the Islanders, they they really are in the mix, uh, and again, I don't think those guys have to be relied on as their their top guys. Maybe Paul Merrick could play with Matthew Barzal on their on their first line, but Travis Zajac wouldn't be a first line centerman. He would he'd be one of those middle pairings. So, yeah, I think it helps a lot for for the Islanders, and 
I, I think I think they can make a, a deeper run uh, potentially, uh, given how they performed last year in the bubble and given how they're they're playing right now. They're a team that every year people go into the season just kind of dismissing them, and then next thing you know, they're not just in the playoffs, but they're actually winning in the playoffs. So I personally don't love this, given that the uh, the Penguins are competing with them. Yeah, I mean, I don't and, like uh, I don't like it personally, <laughs> like as a Bruins yeah. fan. But I mean, for- true. I mean, we're we're all in the East yeah. Division this year, so. Uh, I guess another team in the East Division. So, I mean, if, if the playoffs started today, the four teams to make it would be Pitts, Boston, Pitts, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Washington, and Boston, Washington. Boston and yeah, uh, so the, New York Islanders, yeah. You know, those three teams we talked about, Washington also made a move. They traded for Anthony Martha. From, Mantha. Uh, De- Mantha from, from Detroit. They gave up um, Jacob Verana, Richard Panic, a first and a second round pick. So is this is he worth it is this the kind of guy who that's, is, that's who worth is it again verona panic and yeah verona panic a first round pick this year and a second round pick next year for that's Anthony that's Mantha. a little bit much uh, verona was uh, a key player in the washington capitals uh stanley cup run. i'm not saying he was their best player or anything i'm not saying he was like ovechkin but he was a solid second line uh left winger for them during that that season and yeah, and then you add in a first round pick, first round picks in any sport are valuable. And but, I mean, Mantha, he's a he's a pretty good goal. He was a good goal scorer for Detroit, and it's kind of the same thing with Paul Mary, where he's a good goal scorer, but he's also on a terrible team, and uh, I probably doesn't have to be relied on as the guy, especially since guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom and Kuznetsov, Oshie and Carlson are all still there, and so uh, I it could work out, but that that's definitely a little bit pricier of a trade than right, the other so one. i guess given those those four trades that you know the east division teams made who do you think uh did the most when it comes to improving their chances to to win the division and you know be one of those final four teams left in the league so this is kind of a biased answer but at the same time i i i'm usually more critical of the bruins than than positive but i'm, I'm gonna go with the bruins i i like I really like the Taylor Hall move, even though he has totally sucked this year. I I do think the the transition from going to a, a just a sucky team like Buffalo to uh, a a very professional team and the Bruins is really going to help out his career. And it's not just the the Taylor Hall tr- the Taylor Hall addition, but they also got uh, Lazar in that trade as well, who can help out their fourth line and their fourth. The Bruins' fourth line did great in the playoffs last, uh, not last year, uh, two years ago in their Stanley Cup run. But in the regular season, their their fourth line has has been so so. And I, I watched the game yesterday, and I I liked the effort and the the effort he had on both ends of the ice. Uh, and, and then they also picked up a guy, uh, Mike Riley, uh, left left shot defenseman, and I like him as well so far. And they they could definitely use him given the injuries that they have right now. Uh, Grizz. Matt Grizzlick is hurt. Uh, Jeremy Lozon is was hurt earlier in the year. Uh, McAvoy just came back. Carlos still hurt. So they they're really banged up uh, on a, uh, on on defense. So they he might be even uh, a, a bigger he might even play a bigger role than Taylor Hall, which sounds crazy, but uh, they they only gave up a third round pick for him as well. So even though it might be biased, I actually would go with the Bruins as the winner or. The winners, the winner out of the out of those four. 
Okay, and I mean that that makes sense. I I don't know enough about the Islanders players to weigh in on that, but I figure that you know Taylor Hall is like a name that I know, so it's hard for me to say that it wouldn't be Boston. Are there any other uh, trades from the deadline worth discussing? No. Okay, that's that's <laughs> fine. I hey, I'm I'm good. Let's uh let's move on with that, and let's uh let's do a quick rapid fire headline segment. So. We're just going to kind of go through some other topics and just give some quick thoughts on them. So the first headline, Netflix announces new film Home Team starring Kevin James about Sean Payton's year coaching his son's sixth grade team while suspended. Um, I don't particularly care for Sean Payton. Uh, the, the, the big takeaway I have here is when I looked into this, the the article I read uh, the starting sentence was Kevin James is trading in his mall cop scooter for a visor and a whistle. I just feel bad for him, man. He can't <laughs> he can't get away from Paul Blart. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's genuinely my big takeaway here. And that I guess also that uh, there's an Adam Sandler movie, if I'm correct, right? It's his studio. Is, that's doing is it this. an Adam Sandler I movie? I think I read that it was Adam Sandler doing it. So it's it, him and Kevin James again. Which okay, and that that makes know. sense because I don't know why else Kevin James would play Sean. Yeah, Payne, my, right? my, like he's a lookalike. My big takeaway is that he looks nothing like Sean Payton. No, they, they should. I mean, if, I don't like him, if they were trying no. to get a lookalike, they should have got Frankie Muniz to play him interesting uh, yeah i i i um i definitely saw someone who looked closer to him i, I can't remember it, it i didn't think it was important enough to remember that but i i i i mean the fact that it's a comedy and like it sounds like adam sandler would be involved i wonder if like david spade rob schneider uh you know some of those other guys chris rock that are like you know part of that like grown-ups crew are all going to be right. together in this and make it something worth watching because the reality is it feels like a weird topic to glorify like he, i mean i get yeah. he's he's coaching a you know sixth grade team it's a fun thing with an nfl coach reason why is because of the bounty gate scandal and his connections to that right uh, it's i think it's an odd movie that they're deciding to uh to make but I mean, I think it's too early to, to kind of comment on it, just given that there's no trailer or anything to really understand what we're getting here. If I'm correct that it's Adam Sandler, though, that kind of makes more sense when I think about it. Like, thinking about this movie seems weird, but thinking about it as an Adam Sandler movie, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, it's <laughs> that's why this is happening. Right. All right, so let's, uh, let's keep it rolling with another uh, NFL Goes Hollywood theme and uh aaron Rodgers left disappointed when jeopardy contestants fail to respond to trivia answer about the green bay packers is it bad that i i was i was happy to see the disappointment on his face i'm not a fan <laughs> of aaron Rodgers. uh i thought I, you were no i don't i, thought, I, don't really I thought like was surprised that you were a fan of him but okay no, no. that's that's understandable i know there's a yeah. rivalry kind of with brady I mean, maybe if the question was uh, which team has lost four of the last seven NFC Championship games, maybe the maybe the contestants would have got the question right. But I don't. I'm I'm torn because people the people who appear on Jeopardy, I feel like are usually probably not the biggest sports fans. But at the same time, they, they like trivia kind of stuff though. So like it 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 surprised me a little bit that none of them, none of them even like if you don't know, say a team you know say so and they they all just stared like i was surprised that no one threw out a guess well you lose honestly. you lose points you lose if you yeah. get, oh that's true i don't watch yeah, jeopardy i money. forgot you lose points mm-hmm. that's fair that's fair and to me it just says that none of these people know who aaron Rodgers is like they have no idea who this guy is because like they would know like he's quarterback of the green bay Packers. Do, and, so uh, i don't i haven't watched 
uh, I don't know what Jeopardy's doing. I haven't been watching it either. I mean, I, they, they just yeah. go through a new like guest host. Eventually, they're going to pick someone to be full-time. Roger said he wants to be the full-time host. We'll see if it happens. So, But like, are they us- like, does it make sense that it was the Packers? Do they do that kind of thing where it's like they'll throw in something related to the host? or? I, I mean, I, okay. I think it kind of makes sense Like, if I mean, he's yeah, going to have a football question. It doesn't question. seem like a coincidence, I suppose. Yeah. No. No, but it, it is it's just another one of those scenarios where it's I feel like the sports questions on Jeopardy have always kind of had this own like little niche to them. Yeah. Just given that, you know, this is a question that the three of us can answer and most Jeopardy questions we wouldn't be able to answer fast enough oh, to be able to and, compete. But and, this is one where, hey, we're winning some money. And, here. It, and it's every time I watch Jeopardy, I I just don't know anything about all the categories. The only time I I do any I do well when it comes to Jeopardy is when they get to like a sports category or 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 what something like that and and I just sweep the board but then any other category yeah. I'm I'm just completely clueless. The little bit of Jeopardy I have watched I I do recall like yelling at the screen on the sports questions cuz usually people are just staring blankly and it's That like, is that is so exactly obvious. me as well. Yeah, so I guess it makes sense. Uh but it was nice to see Aaron Rodgers just look sad, you know? I'll yeah, take it. I, I get that. There was um it, it, one of his first episodes, there was someone who they didn't know the answer to the final Jeopardy question. So they wrote, what is, why'd you kick a field uh, goal? I, I saw that. That was, that <laughs> yeah. was great. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they so got they, him. they had a, yeah. Nice little reference there, which I mean, that's more of a dig at his head coach than himself. But still. True. But it still got to hurt, you know? Yep. Yep. All right, next headline. Uh, Alex Rodriguez joins billionaire Mark Lore as future owners of the Minnesota Timberwolves. The only thing I could say about this is that I love that Anthony Edwards had no idea who Alex Rodriguez was when he was when he was asked about it and just and and when you also factor in uh his interview where he talked about, yeah, I could have I could have uh made the MLB and uh, I could play all the position, positions. I could throw and pitch, and I I, I batted fourth. You know what that means? I I, I cleaned up. <laughs> when you factor in that interview and and then him being asked about a Rod and have no idea who he is, I I I just found it hysterical. That's great. Like I feel like I didn't hear about that, but I feel like you don't have to follow baseball to know who yeah. who a Rod is. Like, no, he's, that was he's my he is, as well. He is oh, nineteen years old. To be fair, uh, Anthony Edwards. So yeah, uh, okay, I, that's a little more understandable. But that's only six years younger than me. Yeah, and I mean, a Rod's he's married to J Lo, or at least engaged to her. Like, I mean, he, I feel like he's someone who's become bigger than just a baseball player at this point. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a tabloid guy, wasn't he with yeah. Cameron Diaz at some point? Yep. yep. Or is that um, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah? Yeah, I mean, so he's. I yeah, he uh, he was very interested in purchasing the Mets along with J-Lo and what felt like 15 other people, just a bunch of millionaires getting money together, hoping that they could outbid Steve Cohen, which was never going to happen. But yeah, of course, for, for him to, of all the teams, like Minnesota Timberwolves is what, like the 27th most exciting NBA franchise he could buy. Like it, just, it feels like a very random spot for him to go to. I was, I was very surprised when I saw this news, just kind of felt like out of nowhere. Yeah. And you know, no. one of the questions that people are wondering, is he going to get him out of Minnesota, relocate them to Seattle or somewhere else? Yeah, it was definitely a random choice because it's not even baseball. And then, yeah, like you said, the Timberwolves are one of the least exciting teams in the NBA and one of the worst teams in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I don't really know what to make of this. I, I think that he's going to end up having a minor role compared to uh, Mark Lore, who's like a billionaire. He has connections to like Walmart and other stuff. Like I think that he's going to be the the big guy that's part of this. But um, you know, I, I am curious to see what Arod does for the the Timberwolves if he he changes their image at all, makes them a destination, or if this is just kind of a oh yeah, remember how Arod's the owner of the Timberwolves kind of deal. So. Uh, all right, and then a couple non-sports topics. So Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, and husband of Queen Elizabeth II, passed away at 99 years old this weekend. All right, off the bat, it's it's Edinburgh. Uh, Edinburgh? It's not Edinburgh. It's Edinburgh. Yeah, uh, that's where I. That's where that I was where you went to school. Grad school. Yeah, oh, that hurt. Wow. That hurt me. I was like, say Edinburgh. I was wondering what you were reacting to there. <laughs> Edinburgh. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I I heard about this. Um, you know, as as we talked about last time I was on, I don't really care too much about the royal family. Um, the the queen, uh, the queen seems seems good in comparison to to most of the royal family. So I hope she's okay because I she, I heard she said she was devastated, which makes sense. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time, when old couples like this, when one of them goes, the other follows shortly. And also, she's old anyway, so like. I don't know. I, I it, it worries me a little bit. I don't know. I don't know much else about the royal family, but I don't know. God save the queen. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I mean, K- Kenny just said that last time he was on, we talked about the the royal royal family, and he says he's not big into it. What about me? I literally provide nothing <laughs> to to that to that segment. So so yeah, I, I thoughts and prayers. I, I the. I saw I I have a, a bit of a collection of Funko Pop figures and I once saw one of Queen Elizabeth and one of my biggest regrets in life is not buying it but I don't allow myself to buy them for myself because it'll become a problem um, so I hope I can find that uh, while she's still alive before it becomes worth a fortune that's you know, all this this uh this was a big weekend for respect the dead twitter because i think most people in britain were very much like oh this, the, the queen's husband like you know rest in peace like thoughts and prayers and all that stuff and everyone else around the world was like no this guy sucked like he was like a, a horrible human being like i, I some of, some of the quotes that he had in his life were just horribly racist so the only one that's coming off the top of my head is when he visited australia in like the 80s and the only thing he said to an aboriginal was do you still throw spears it's like that's oh just Lord. yeah who this kind of guy is and uh I, I did see something which is like pretty funny um this australian comedian was in the middle of roasting prince philip when the audience is like he just died and then he just continues his act it, it is pretty funny if, if you don't really care and it's like one of those things where you know, it's like yeah respect the dead but you know he didn't really respect a whole lot of people when he was alive i like you guys i don't really care about the royal family like i'm not right. gonna sit here and just roast this guy for no reason but I will say that it's kind of remarkable that he lasted as long as he did because he definitely did not look like he was uh, he was no. living those last few years. Well, no, and, and I I don't like I say I don't follow them to the point where I didn't even know until you were saying it that he had racist comments and this and that. Yeah. Um, n- not that not that you should judge anyone on this, but just looking at pictures of him, he looks like a Disney movie villain. Like he looked, <laughs> he looked absolutely evil. So <laughs> yeah. again, not not to judge uh, off that, but the comments they they fit. They fit yep. him, you know? Yep. All right. And then the uh, the last one here, which is 
technically surprisingly not racist, but uh, <laughs> Chet mm-hmm. Hanks releases his official video for White Boy Summer music video. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly a little upset with you, Corey, because I never needed to know this existed. I hadn't heard about <laughs> any of this until today when I was told to watch the video. Um, had no idea who this guy was. Uh, I, I, I hated so many things about the music video. Um, okay, well, I guess first off, let's let's just talk about White Boy Summer. Let's just set the scene here. Sure. So Chet Hanks, he is the son of Brian's favorite actor, Tom Hanks. Apparently. Uh, apparently, yeah. You probably <laughs> wouldn't know that. So he's a guy, he, he's definitely kind of, ha- I, I think he, he went by Chet Hayes when he released a music video back in the day. He's he's an interesting person. Um, you know, the, the one one thing that I, I like remember of him was he posted, I believe, a Snapchat story. It was an image of him sitting on a plane with the caption, the plane can't take off because some idiot won't wear a mask. And he wasn't wearing a mask in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he uh, a couple weeks ago, he posts uh, an Instagram live story about white boy summer. And he just kind of breaks down the rules. First thing he says, it's not Trump or NASCAR white boys. It's more like him or Jack Harlow or John B. white boy. So you know take that as you will but he he goes on to say there's there's four rules he mentions one of them is no plaid shirts got to get rid of those uh no sperry top siders uh you got to wear vans or jordans like i i wear sperry's all the time in the summer so i'm i'm already out <laughs> i was I gonna say I, that's where i'm out i have sperry's yeah no calling girl smoke shows so all right kenny's out of this one <laughs> 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 and then he says, uh, no salmon color. And specifically, burn it. Just burn all your salmon. Just get rid of it. Don't wear it. Just light it on fire. I, so I, I, I think this shirt you, might be salmon yeah, now I mean, that I think about it. It's it's definitely uh, like a reddish pink color. It might be salmon. I, I do have a salmon shirt that I guess I got to burn. And uh, he does end it by saying, we're going to evolve this summer. And he, he throws out a Pokemon reference saying, we're going to evolve from Pikachu into Raichu. So... Oh that that's his his video and then uh of course he doubles down on it by putting out a music video uh which dropped a couple days ago and i mean it's it's basically just him and a bunch of women in bikinis just dancing all around him and i have no idea what he's saying and you know kenny we were talking <laughs> about this before we thought that he dropped the n-word while wearing a shirt that said stop hate but right. we looked at the lyrics he didn't say that it's uh yeah i mean i, I don't know that this is going to be the anthem of white boy summer even like that's just the this song just like doesn't even come off to me as anything good and i, I don't know that anyone's going to be bumping this anytime soon I actually hadn't heard the rules that you said. Uh, if it has to be mm. Vans or Jordan specifically, I, I'm not abiding he, by it. I he basically a... said no Sperry topsiders, and that was what he threw mm-hmm. out. But he also was like, I'm not a sneaker guy. So it was almost like he was oh, trying okay. to name sneaker brands that he doesn't even wear. So I, I'm right. very confused by that. Well, because I have a pair of Asics sneakers right now, but otherwise I don't wear plaid. I I don't uh, wear salmon. And contrary to what Corey said, I don't ever refer to women (laughs) as smoke shows. So I actually, I guess I am a part of white boy summer and I I feel disgraced. I don't want to be a part of this. You're Uh, going to be all all vaxxed up and ready to celebrate white boy summer in a couple months. Like it, I don't. In the wake of the the way that of everything that's happened in the world in the last year, and I mean for 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 several years now, but the last year specifically, I don't think you can just say white boy summer and then say it's not Trump and NASCAR white boy and then be like it's not racist. It, it, to 
it just feels like there's you just can't do it. You just can't have white boy summer. It doesn't it right now in the current climate, you can't do it. I just I just feel like it's like it's not going to work, but it, he's trying to make it work, I guess. Uh th- that's that's one of the issues I have. Also the the music video was just I mean the the, the all the women in it. I mean as far I it might not have been all women of color, but many women of color. Yeah, uh, it was definitely just, a lot entirely there as as props and it's uh-huh. like that's a separate issue but like also what like come on it's just, it was like half a dozen plus women just there as as props for his music video he did like, yeah that, well there was one girl who was wearing a shirt um that said black girl summer but you could only see it for like half a second yeah, it was the bottom of the screen quick. yeah I don't know that anyone could see it, but like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't love the name either. I'll say yeah. that. I feel like there's, there's ways to celebrate this summer better than calling it just white boy summer. Like, I feel like right. it's a summer that like all young people should, you know, you get their vaccine and be ready to go out and, you know, make up for what they couldn't do last year. And not like, I mean, the, like I say the the current, if you have to be like, oh, it's not this. I don't mean the racist thing. It's like, okay, well, if you have to say that, that's probably a red flag. <laughs> yeah. But uh-huh. also, he does like this like Caribbean islands accent a lot. Yeah. That is oh, definitely yeah. offensive. Yeah. He definitely, definitely. I totally forgot about that. He goes into a Jamaican accent when he's yeah. talking about the rules of white boy summer. Like, no, dude. Yeah. Who are uh-huh. you? I I had no like I I found Tom all Hanks this out. the sun. I saw all of this, and then at the very end of when I was looking into this, I saw that it was Tom Hanks' son, and I was blown away. I had yeah. no idea through the whole time I was looking at all he, this. He spells the video where where he spells his name in the video with an X instead of right. a KS, so. and that was enough for me to not know. Yeah. So, like you said, Corey, Tom Hanks is my favorite actor, and one of my favorite <laughs> movies is Forrest Gump. And at the end of Forrest Gump, uh, Forrest Senior, Tom Hanks, he's at Jenny's grave and he's letting letting her know that yeah little Forrest he's doing just fine in school and you'd be so proud of him I wonder what that conversation would be like now <laughs> like little Forrest yeah he's getting a, he's getting a lot of booty uh, uh and he's doing just fine like, I don't I, I wonder what I wonder what exactly he'd be saying uh with little Forrest or or Tom Hanks Jr. if uh if he was talking about what he's doing now <laughs> i i i am really curious what their their relationship is as a, a father son you know <laughs> to what extent they're they're uh they're on good terms like does does sound like oh yeah Ch- he's just going through a phase like you know he still shows up to thanksgiving and it's all fine uh because they definitely do not seem like they're related <laughs> I think one one thing I can say about the whole white boy summer thing is that white boys might be the only group uh, that he's not offending or or not uh, in a position to offend. I can't obviously speak mm. to whether or not people are offended, but I could understand if if uh, if if non-white people and women are offended by all this, despite the fact that he he throws in a stop hate shirt. I don't really think that <laughs> you know actions and words. Yeah, and, yeah. I don't uh, know. I, I didn't I didn't enjoy the video. I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> Uh, all right, that's uh, that's enough about Jet Hanks and White Boy Summer. Let's uh, let's get ready to wrap up the show with our top five. And uh, admittedly, this topic, you know, the inspiration of it is a little bit of a stretch. We did five questions last week, but uh, you know, I, I think this is a, a good topic um, just for us to talk about here. So, April fifteenth, nineteen fifty-five, McDonald's was not 
technically founded, but as a franchise, they were founded. Ray Kroc, a businessman, gets involved. He establishes a franchise in De Plain, Illinois, I believe is their first location outside of the San Bernardino, California area. And with that, McDonald's, as we know it today, is born. It has since become the largest uh, you know, restaurant chain, not just in the nation, but across the whole world. And because of that, let's uh, go ahead and count down our favorite national restaurant chains in this week's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So, Kenny, as our guest, how about you get started here? But before we do that, we do want to make a quick disclaimer and say that when we say national, we mean national. You got to be in most of the country. Brian, you tried to throw in and out Burger in there. My first gut reaction is to put Cookout. They are only in small portions of the country, so they don't count. We want ones that are at least you know eighty plus percent of the the country as national as possible. Which is a so shame. with that, Kenny. Which is a shame because yeah, In-N-Out hey, Burger I know. is great. Hey, I it, mean, I mean, I've never had In-N-Out Burger. You know, I, I haven't. I, I, it's not in my part of the country, so I get it. You know, I understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, coming in at uh, for num- at number five for me. Um, I wanted when I did this to keep it kind of diverse and not have five pizza places. Um, <laughs> but I also found that I didn't really need to do that. Cause when I was looking at it, it's like, uh, I pretty much had something, uh, one place ahead of, ahead of most pizza places. So number five, I have Dairy Queen. Um, and Dairy Queen has their food menu in at least most of their places, but I'm really just talking Dairy Queen ice cream. Um, because that's what I get when I go there. Uh, I used to always get their Arctic rushes. Uh, and when I would go on Friday nights, I would get, I would get pizza and then we would go get Arctic rushes, which used to be called Mr. Misty's. They're just slushies. Um, but they were very good. And the main thing about Dairy Queen is their blizzards. I think that they don't have the best ice cream. There are a lot of places that have better ice cream, but I love the blizzards. I, I don't go to Dairy Queen often anymore, but when I used to go all the time, I would love to try the blizzard of the month. Um, they've got like a, a good variety and they're, it's just, it's so like the ice, they, ha, they have such a good blend of the ice cream and the treats that are inside it. Uh, so maybe it's partially nostalgia driven for me, but dairy, dairy queen's easily my favorite ice cream place to go to because of the, I mean, other than local places, of course, um, just for the blizzard. So, so that they, they went in there at number five for me. Yeah. I agree with, uh, all that when it comes to the blizzards, I love the, my two favorites are the Oreo and and cookie dough blizzards and yeah like you said is it the best ice cream probably not but the blend of of the ice cream and what what's inside of it whatever you get is is definitely great yeah i i love reese's blizzards kick out blizzards blizzards are they're the, always the main appeal for dairy queen i do have some more thoughts that i'll, I'll save on this one uh but i, I will say that you know, we the three of us and a couple of our friends uh went to Dairy Queen quite a bit and we had one one time where it was a lot of fun where we were just hanging out there well past close into the middle of the night Um, and I'll always uh, remember that when I think of Dairy Queen I know exactly which one you're talking about since all three of us were there yeah yeah I I vividly remember that night Uh as well Uh, I'll go I'll go next yeah you go next Brian all right so this would not have been on my top five uh, if In-N-Out Burger were allowed but it was definitely uh, a top honorable mention and so for my number five, I went with Olive Garden. And some people definitely do not like Olive Garden, but I kind of don't care. I, I'm definitely a fan of Olive Garden. And 
I love the breadsticks, and uh, I, two of my favorite items on the menu are uh, fettuccine Alfredo. I love their fettuccine Alfredo. Unfortunately, when you look up the nutritional uh, <laughs> stats on fettuccine Alfredo, there's a lot of grams of fat, a lot of calories. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, but when you try it, it's worth it. And another thing I like is the trees, cheese ravioli, and I also like their chicken parm. And Corey probably knows this, but whenever uh, I go to Olive Garden with friends, the thing I like on the menu the most is this item called the Tour of Italy, where you can get all three of those things for uh, about 20 bucks when you include tip. And so it's just a... I don't think it's even including tip. I'm pretty sure it's just 20 it could bucks. Be t- it could be 20 bucks and then the tip. Went. You just don't tip. No, yeah. I definitely tip. I, definitely, <laughs> I always tip yourself. more than 20%, <laughs> but... Maybe the prices uh, went up since last time I've been. Yeah, it I've might be there. like seventeen ninety nine, but it's. I was gonna say yeah. it's twenty bucks. You said that. Yeah. You know, I don't think tips included. But yeah, you know, great, great choice, great choice for sure. Uh, so my number five is Chili's, and I, as a kid, I loved going to Chili's because they had this really good kids pizza, and they had this awesome chocolate milkshake with chocolate sprinkles in them. So Chili's was always one of my favorite restaurants as a kid. Once I got older, it lost a little bit of its appeal, but I still, I love going. It's the one restaurant where I will go to and every time I'll get chicken fingers, their their original chicken crispers, and I'll have no regrets about it. I won't feel like I'm a little kid at all. Uh, I, I think it's awesome. I love their um, their Texas cheese fries. If you get whatever, they're like two for 20, two for 25, whatever. It comes with an app to split, and that's, that's always a go-to, a half order of those. And then, I mean, it's Chili's. It's a, it's a Southwestern-type establishment, and uh, margaritas are a big thing there. So it's, it's always nice to add one of those to the meal. They have a really good cookie dough or not cookie, like a cookie skillet. Um, definitely my go-to dessert whenever I go there. So Chili's is one where I had to get it on my list. And uh, honestly, I probably could have been even higher than number five the more I think about it. A huge fan of Chili's. For, for me, I'm sure they have different menu items, but Chili's is like indistinguishable to me from like like Shorties and Applebee's. Applebee's. Like yeah. it's all like those places are all the same to me and I don't have any strong feelings about any of them, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I, I get that. Yeah, Chili's and Applebee's is really the same for me and, and yeah, and I'm kinda of with Kenny Ride. I don't have strong feelings uh towards Although Shorties places. might have more Shorties might have more Mexican food. The shorties is Mexican. Shorties even national? I thought that was I don't even know. No, I think I don't that might, it might literally just be a Nashua restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Shorties I don't know why I group it. Um place where I <laughs> Yeah, it might literally just be natural, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it might literally just be a standalone. I just think of it as a chain for some reason. Okay. I I am curious. If anyone's listening to this and they're not from Nashville and they've heard of Shorties, let us know. We could Google it, but no, that's That's, another way to find it. Let's not. That's no fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, Kenny, you can go with your number four. Uh, Yeah, number four is going to be my only sit-down restaurant. Um, it's, it's, It's the Cheesecake Factory. I didn't even know until a few years ago that I liked cheesecake in general, let alone the Cheesecake Factory. Um, I'd never, I used to be a very picky eater, and so I heard cheese and cake and was like, ew, gross. That, those don't go together. <laughs> yeah. Then I realized how much I love cheese and cake and decided to try it. And it's, it's so good. So I went to the Cheesecake Factory. I love it there. Uh, the, I, I go there and eat a meal, which is like whatever. I get their pizza. It's fine. Uh, it's it's decent pizza, but I'm really just there for the cheesecake, of course. 
Um, the, the big thing is that I really like quick and convenient. I like sit down restaurants, but at, I think if I'm going to spend the time and money at a sit-down restaurant, I I usually go to a more local place because it I just usually like their food better. I like their options better. Um, the only uh, sort of uh, honorable mention I, I was struggling to, to not have on my list was, and I don't even know if this is technically national, but Rainforest Cafe, I think they're, I would call them, they're yeah, I spread mean, out, but I don't I think, think they're in most states. No, there's one in... Disney World in Orlando. I think that makes it enough that anyone in the country can go there if they True. want to. True. Um, but so I, where, that, hey, I speaking, mean, you know, throwback to Paul Blart uh, Mall Club. I, I thought Mall it was only in Burlington. Yeah, like and Paul Blart. <laughs> no, yeah. They, well, they're, they're actually, I think that they're worldwide, but I think they're yeah, dying probably. out other than in places like, you know, there's one in Animal Kingdom, which fits because it's Animal mm-hmm. Kingdom. But if I went there now, I don't even know what I would eat. I just used to get their dino nuggets. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just pure nostalgia, which is why I didn't end up putting them on the list. So Cheesecake Factory is my only my only actual sit down restaurant that I actually like would that I've actually missed, you know, going out to restaurants. And it was actually the last restaurant I went to before the pandemic. So nice. I suppose that's yeah. fitting. I think so I just, think Olive Garden real quickly, might okay. be my last restaurant as well. Like to mention back to my list that in terms of sit down, that might be the last place I've been to as well. Yeah, real quickly on Cheesecake Factory. Um, so this was one that I I was tempted to put on my list, but the more I thought about it, it's kind of things that you threw out there, Kenny. It's like it's all about the dessert, and it's the same thing with you said with Dairy True. Queen, and that's why I wanted to kind of have it more. Like I've gotten their pizza there, I've, I've gotten food there that's good, uh, but the cheesecake is a big reason. That's why I was like, ah, you know, does that make it a top five restaurant for me or just a top five dessert? I- and I will say, I gave up um, desserts for Lent, and uh, you know, I, the first dessert that i had on the night of easter i, I went to cheesecake factory i got a <laughs> slice of cheesecake to go is uh the reese's so i i, I love cheesecake factory It's one where like i'm glad that you put it on your list so i could talk about it uh but yeah. it was just one that I, I didn't want to put my top five just because it was very strictly for the dessert i i have i share the same feelings as Corey, where it definitely would be high on my list but again it it's definitely mostly because of the dessert I had the same thought and decided that yes, the dessert is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad that at least four and five for that reason. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So for my number four, it's kind of the same thing with Kenny in terms of his feelings, <laughs> and that is the Sonic Drive-In. And uh, I, I haven't been to Sonic in a while, but there was one specific summer where I went to Sonic basically every day or or every other day. Uh, I, I remember one summer I went to Alabama to see my cousins and one of my cousins at the time was 15 so he wasn't allowed to drive uh, and his parents were always working and he took this uh, he took this fitness class or boxing class I don't know what you exactly call it but he took he took a fitness class and and it was always in the afternoon and I always drove him uh, to it and next to it was a Sonic sonic drive-in and so that was super convenient and after it we would always go to we'd always go to sonic and the waitresses and the rollerblades were always super nice and and then when it comes to the food i there's definitely a lot of variety on their menu i uh like their their fries the their burgers their chicken sandwiches their tater tots and especially if you make them cheese tots or cheese fries uh but my favorite thing on their menu is definitely uh, the shakes and the slushies. I'm definitely someone that probably values the the drinks and the desserts at fast food places more than others. And Sonic, if 
if I were to have my ultimate chain restaurant, Sonic would definitely be number one in terms of the the desserts and the uh, slushies. There are so many different flavors, and they have this new one uh, called the I think it's called the Oreo cookie cookie dough blast, yeah, like, which yeah. looks to die for. And <laughs> I I want to try it. That's I, I would sure. definitely would try it uh, if, uh, but. I haven't been to Sonic in forever, and but who knows? We'll see. And well, so Sonic, the closest the one, closest to one is, is like five minutes. The closest away, one's right? like a half it's hour away. Somewhere. Yeah, half hour. Yeah, yeah. So it was close enough that we'd get commercials, but like you know, it's still far enough away that you'd have to go out of your way most, to go to Sonic. Most of them are down south, which is yeah. So like I, my first exposure to Sonic was you know when I went to school in South Carolina, and my sophomore and junior year, I lived literally across the street from one, and I didn't have a car. So most of the time, whenever I would go get fast food or like I wanted like something and I, I didn't have stuff at home, I would just walk across the street to Sonic, and I ate it so much that I just have, I, I'm just so sick of it, even to this day. Like I can't eat it. And you mentioned the milkshakes, and I'm just like their milkshakes aren't even all that good. Like Cookouts milkshakes are so much better. And I you know I hope that so you get the opportunity I, to try Cookout sometime. I've never been to Cookout. Yeah, exactly. Because like it, I would tell you, like they're they're so much better than Sonic's milkshakes, and I get Sonic milkshakes is a big thing. They're they're just not all that great. But you know, when you're you're limited, and there's where you did get you did you I get, so I you get don't it. like Sonic now, but did you like it at the t- the time? Yeah, I, oh, I did at the time. I I went there all the time because I liked it. I just ate it so much that by the time I was away from it, I was just like, I don't want to go back there. And I I've barely had is Sonic that the, in the last five or six and years. Don't you say share the same sentiment when it comes to Taco Bell as well? Where yeah, we can talk about Taco oh, that's Bell. True. That's not as much, but yeah, I mean, you, yeah, we'll we'll get there. Anyway, let's let's keep it rolling. And my number four is Texas Roadhouse. And Brian mentioned it with All Garden with the breadsticks. Texas Roadhouse has their own bread that everyone loves, and that is their uh, you know, their rolls with the cinnamon butter. Uh, huge fan of those. And really, I'm a big steak guy, and I love Texas Roadhouse because it's a great place to get steak. And you know, when I think of other one, other like steak restaurants, a lot of them are kind of they're fancy, they're upscale. Texas Roadhouse is a fun place. They got the saddle. They, you know, the the waiters and waitresses will come out and they'll do a dance every hour or so. They'll put on a good show. You get all the peanuts and everything. It's it's a fun place to go. So uh, to me, Texas Roadhouse uh, is is my favorite chain steakhouse and that's why it's my number four wait the the is they're the ones where you sit on the saddle on your birthday yeah yeah i went there with people before i left to go to scotland for grad school and they lied to the waitress and said it was my birthday to force (laughs) me to sit on the saddle that's my that's my only real memory of texas roadhouse so i will say that i always avoided going there on my birthday because i didn't want to sit on the saddle but it was always fun when other people did uh, that no, that sucks yeah. though. I'd be so mad. I guess like it's it was, a going it away funny. thing. But, like, yeah, it was yeah. funny. I was fine with it. It was just like really kind. Yeah. I, one thing I love about Texas Roadhouse is the peanuts, and you can just eat yeah. them and just, just chuck them on the ground. Just throw them on the floor, right? Yeah, I never went to Texas Roadhouse much because uh, I mean I, I I share this with my dad, but he really doesn't like country music, and they play country music. Oh yeah, uh, a lot there, obviously. Um, a lot of Garth. Not not Garth Brooks. Luke a lot Bryan. of uh, Willie Nelson. Willie uh, Nelson. Yeah. So I went there like two or three times, I think, because like my I think my sister liked it. So we might have gone there because she wanted to go or something. I remember the peanuts. Um, beyond that, it's hard for me to distinguish it from other like steakhouses I've you been to. You remember the cinnamon butter? No, I don't. I feel like I would remember it if I like saw it or, or had it, but yeah. uh, 
I mean, I, I like bread wherever I go. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's good, you know? <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. But yeah, other than that, like I, the, it was the, the peanuts were fun. Uh, I remember when we were waiting for a table, my dad and I would just like throw them at each other. Cause why not? Just, <laughs> yeah. just throw them at each other. Yeah. So you're, All right, you can jump in your yeah, number was, three whenever you're ready. Oh, it's me. Yeah. I'm next. Yeah. I, I, I haven't been a part of this before. Okay, so number three, uh, I have Subway. Back to uh, quick places, uh, and that's the th- like people criticize Subway. People, cr- I mean, people criticize everything. People just like to criticize and and dislike things because people like them. But Subway is quick. It's easy. I think it's good. People talk about like the Subway smell. How you can like it has this this like distinct smell that people say it gets like trapped on your clothes and like i think people talk about it negatively i think it's a great smell it smells like good baked bread because they just bake bread to get the smell um and it also when i when i studied abroad in in budapest hungary uh i spent probably hundreds of dollars at subway i went there way too much um as i mentioned before i used to be very a, a very picky eater as a child so it was considered adventurous for me when i started eating ham and cheese sandwiches with mayo <laughs> so for a long time i would go to subway and yeah. i would just get ham cheese and mayo uh and this is and, at like 19 years old you right so when i was abroad. 19 in in budapest i went to subway with with my roommate and he was like if you ever come to subway with me again you are not getting that <laughs> and i was i was forced to broaden my horizons i was annoyed at the time very grateful because yeah. there, there's so much food out there that's good yeah. um and and so Subway Subway has some really good bread. The Italian herbs and cheese bread is really yeah. good. Uh, it's the only bread you should ever get at Subway. Yeah, don't that's the only one I ever else. I disagree. Yeah. I like their honey oat and their wheat bread. Never had it. Had the yeah. had the Italian herbs and cheese, and I never needed to try anything else. No, I mean so I, I, guess, I think honey oat probably feels a little healthier than that. But I, I agree that Italian wow. herbs and cheese is the best one. If, <laughs> it, that's fair. In terms of my top five, if there was another one that I would have. That I had to take out my next honorable mention would have been would have been Subway I, I'm definitely a fan of their their steak and cheese footlongs and uh, their chicken teriyaki ones as well it's so good and their cookies are so good too yep. I know they you do know, have really I, good cookies it's not about the desserts anymore that was numbers five and four but uh, <laughs> cookies are so good when you get them yeah. warm amazing great place alright so for my number three uh, I went with Taco Bell, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I love the the variety that they have in their menu. And Corey and I did a top five on favorite uh, met we items uh, on the Taco Bell menu. I spent like $5 for you. Yeah, and I'll admit I did not see it until the next day, which is such a shame. Because uh-huh. uh, I for sure would have used it. But I, I, I felt so bad when that happened. But, uh, but again, I, I love... A lot of items on their menu, uh, their nachos, their burritos, their quesadillas, and then they used to have these chicken and steak flatbreads, and that, but they don't have them now for whatever reason. And I also used to love uh, getting their orange slushy, that or orange freeze, whatever it was called that they had. Uh, there was one specific summer where I went I, again, like every day, and uh, it was definitely like a nostalgic place uh, for me to go to. And but my personal favorite was definitely the is definitely the cheesy gordita crunch. Even though it's four bucks, it it's it tastes great. And uh, I think I've mentioned this to you, Corey, in the past, where I w- I'm not I wasn't a fan of Chipotle the first time I went there, 
But now uh, I, I went back and I don't know what I had the first time I went there, but whatever it was, it sucked. But uh, recently I, I've gone a decent amount and I, I, I definitely like Chipotle more now than I used to, but I still would have Taco Bell ahead of Chipotle, which I think most people would disagree with. But they, I mean, different. They, they, yeah, they're both like, you know, Southwest type fast food, but I, uh, so it, you did kind of talk about this earlier. So my freshman year of college, when I was living in the dorms, there our um, student union center had a Taco Bell in it. And I went three times a week, every Sunday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night for dinner. And after that for a semester, I got sick of it, but now I, I love Taco Bell. It was one where I kind of considered it here, but like it, it, there's so many fast food restaurants I love that Taco Bell never made sense for me to be in my top five chain restaurants, but I, I definitely eat there now and it's, it's very good. All right. I'll, uh, I'll keep it going now with my number three and that is Chick-fil-A. And I understand that Chick-fil-A is, is controversial for some of their, uh, you know, their religious views. Um, but the food is so good. Like they're, <laughs> we talked about it last time with like fries. Their waffle fries are amazing. Uh, ben was talking about them last night on his uh, his affable chat Twitch stream, and we got to put in a little plug just because of them. And their chicken sandwiches are so great. Like this is, it's easily my favorite fast food restaurant, and. I'm I'm happy that Nashua is like the only city in New Hampshire that has Chick-fil-A and there's two of them. It makes it so accessible up there. I I mean, I, I, I can keep going on about this forever. You know, whether you just get a classic number one or you throw it, you know, deluxe with the uh, you know lettuce, tomato. And I, I personally prefer the Monterey Jack cheese on mine. It's it's uh, you know, it, it's easily my favorite fast food restaurant. And it was always going to be in my top five here coming in at number three. The drive-thrus at Chick any Chick-fil-A you pass by are insanely long. They actually have two lines they are, and they're they, still a half mile long. They yeah, they 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 do it really well there. They get you in and out very quickly. So I I've uh, been to know, Chick always say my pleasure. I've been to Chick-fil-A a couple times and I'm definitely in the minority that I that I think it's overrated, but I need to know what what is at the top of your list in terms of what I should get. You said chicken sandwiches? Yeah, I mean the chicken, classic chicken sandwich okay, I, for I sure, guess I'll... and then Chick Fil A sauce. Their Chick Fil A sauce is. It's awesome. just that there are so many people that love it, and the the very few times that I've gone, I, I don't want to say I didn't like it, but I wasn't blown away by, uh, the things I got. But I do like their waffle fries though. Yeah, I mean the waffle fries, I think, are really what separate it for me. I mean the chicken sandwich itself, I do think is better than like Popeyes and some of the other ones, but the waffle fries just put the meal over the top. I I can't separate them from their controversy personally, uh, but I, I also wouldn't. I've eaten a Chick Fil A literally once, so it's it's also it's easy for me to not go there because I went there once. Like it was fine, but it's not my kind of place. Um, and I think that they, I I don't remember specifically, but I think that they're they're working on <laughs> improving their 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 stances on yeah they they definitely some, are some issues and and. Part of me wants to say too little too late, but I try not to say those things because that really discourages uh, improvement. So I think it's good that they're making, it sounds like they're making strides to be better. Uh, and from, ever, from everything I've heard from people who actually do go there more than once in their entire lives, it sounds like they have good food. So I hope that, I hope yeah. that the people I know who like that, who like it can stop uh, having to feel guilty if, if they, uh, if they get their, get their act if, together. If, if my favorite chain restaurant had 
religious issues, I still wouldn't care. I would still just be there for the food, and I I wouldn't. I mean, I talked about Subway would be an honorable mention. They they've had a uh, weird past with. Well, uh, okay. Yeah, that I wasn't mean, them. He's though. not. Yeah, he's he's just. Yeah, a, but he a was the sponsor that... for Sub. The head sponsor for yeah, Subway. And he's and he's just, not anymore. It wasn't like he's. It's not. I know like it's. Papa I know John. it's apples it's and oranges. Like he's a guy but, it's, but if I'm. Yeah. If I'm coming up with controversies in terms of my favorite chain restaurants, like hey, like some way they had that thing back then. And... I mean, yeah, I, th- I I think a lot of the times with these things, like I say, it's it's unfortunate when it takes a long time, which this seems to have, but it's it's about how you move forward from it. You know, mm-hmm. Bur- Burger King UK had a tweet oh, on, yeah, International on International Women's, Women's Day, Day yeah. uh, women belong in the kitchen, and their intention. I understand their intention. It was. It was so stupid. They did a really bad job. It was very poorly executed. They, yeah. they had a good message that they 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 tried to put out there very poorly. Uh, it was it was UK Burger King specifically, so it's not like it was the it's not like it was Burger King over here anyway. And I don't really go to those restaurants anyway. But um, they they from what I saw, they tried to fix it. And and if you try to fix what you your your mistakes, then I think that's really what matters in these situations. So yeah, hopefully hopefully Chick Fil A continues to improve and. Uh, and people can, can can go there guilt-free. Um, but I will continue on to my number two, which was Brian's number three, which is Taco Bell. Um, and I mentioned at the top that I was trying to keep things diverse and not have a bunch of the same style food uh, because I, I strongly considered Chipotle for my top five as well. Um, I agree, Brian. I like Taco Bell better than Chipotle. I find them quite different. Um Taco Bell is there. I mean, they're both Americanized, obviously. They're not actual Mexican food. They're American Mexican food. But Taco Bell is like, it feels like, it feels lower quality, but it also feels more authentic. I feel weird even using that word, but more authentic than Chipotle. Like, Chipotle doesn't have jalapenos. Chipotle has like nothing even remotely spicy. Um, so, so that's why I ended up not putting it on here. Um, and, and I put Taco Bell. Uh, their Doritos Locos Tacos, phenomenal. Can't believe no one thought before to make Doritos into a, a hard shell taco. Um, they're, the, yeah, they're awesome. I, I, it feels I, like such a simple idea. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I, I do. I do and, like their uh, the Doritos, like the, the nacho cheese one specific specifically. I think more people like the Cool mm-hmm. Ranch, but I like the nacho. Yeah, cheese. I'm, I like I'm the a nacho spi- cheese guy. I like the fiery ones, but those Ooh. are often not available. Yeah. Um, depending on where you go, uh, I also really like the Crunchwrap Supreme. Uh, put yeah. that on a pizza once. Yep. Actually, put it on a pizza that twice. Was it. Yeah, it was so good. When I got a bite yeah. of the pizza, a bite of pizza with sour cream, it was. <laughs> it was I mean, it was sickening, yeah. but it was so good. Okay. Fast food pizza, absolutely recommend. Um, the, yeah, the, that's, the, crun- that's the crunch wrap supreme is is definitely great. I guess my one criticism of that is that it, it made me feel so like bad, or <laughs> it, it just it, see. Yeah, that makes sense. People have. People have yeah, talked I mean, about how Taco I know you can say that about a lot of foods, but item does especially that. Taco Bell. But that specific item on yeah. the Taco Bell menu is like, wow! I I am literally gaining weight per bite. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see how you would feel like it's. I mean, it's unhealthy, obviously. But like, people have talked about getting sick from Taco Bell, and they've talked about getting sick from all sorts of stuff. I don't really have that issue with food. Typically, I've never eaten a Taco Bell and then felt sick. Like, I just eat it and feel. You know, maybe a little bit shameful that I'm eating Taco Bell, but ultimately happy that I'm eating Taco Bell. I don't, I don't, they don't, they don't make me sick. They make me, they make my tummy happy. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I kind of agree with that, though. I feel like the reputation is worse than it actually is. But I, I don't know agree. if that's just yeah. you and me. Well, it kind of became a meme, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. All right, so for my number two, I went with Duncan. It used to be called Dunkin' Donuts. And it's not even, I feel like it should have an S at the end, but it doesn't. But it's called Duncan now. And I, I go there definitely more than I should. And I spend more money on Duncan than, than I should. I get a lot of, a lot of, uh, items on their menu, whether if it's food related or drink related. I, I like getting their iced coffee and I like getting their, the frozen drinks, especially the, uh, frozen chocolate or the frozen caramel. And then when it comes to the, the food items on the menu, I I love the new bagel minis that they have on their menu. Uh, I, I love the bagels in general, uh, especially the multigrain ones. I like their hash browns. And they also have uh, a new item on their menu called the, the grilled cheese melt, just a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah, I saw that. I know I thought about getting it when I went there it, recently. It's not. Is it the best grilled cheese sandwich ever? No, but it's the fact that it's on their menu and I've had it before and it's definitely solid grilled cheese. And if I just get it a lot. I get it more than I should, and it tastes great every time I go. It's very convenient. So that's why it's number two. Yeah, Duncan is also my number two. I, I was back and forth on whether I should put this one for a couple reasons. One was similar to the whole, like, Cheesecake Factory, Dairy Queen kind of thing. Like, does it count when I'm mostly putting it for coffee and not the food? And then also the fact that it's technically not in every single state, but it's it's in, you know, 40-something plus. So it's, it's still, it still counts to me. Like, I love Dunkin'. I'm... I've always been a huge fan of it, and it. I think one of the uh, the most disappointing things about living in the Carolinas the past few years is that it's not easy to go to a Dunkin'. Like in our hometown, there are like fifteen Dunkins. You could just <laughs> you don't have to go more than like five minutes to get to a Dunkin'. There's so, like a hundred uh, in Boston. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's there's incredible. So many around me. Yeah, uh-huh. it's so easy to get to. Yeah, over by the garden, there are like three of them within walking distance. Like it's 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 incredible, like how many there are, and like it, I, I wish that I could go there more often, but it, it just makes it even more special when I'm up there and I can go literally whenever I feel like it because it's 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 not the best coffee in the world, but it's fairly cheap. They have a lot of really good flavors, and it's to me it's better than Starbucks because whatever I get at Starbucks for it to taste as good as Dunkin', it's gonna cost three times as much. So. I'm uh I'm always gonna be pro Dunkin' over Starbucks, and I you know I, I think it's a New Englander in me. Like I'll I'll drink a Dunkin' iced coffee in 25 degree weather and love it. So yeah, part of me wonders if if I lived in in, in Seattle instead of the New England area, would I like Starbucks a lot more than Dunkin'? I probably I probably they would. Don't have so Dunkin out I there, I feel so. like a lot of it does have to do with the region that I'm in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, most people that aren't from New England, I don't think are huge Duncan fans, but I, I definitely know that they exist, or at least in the Northeast, I'll say. Yeah, I, I very nearly, Duncan was the only other one that I contemplated putting on that I didn't. Uh, it felt a bit, uh, it, felt, it felt a bit wrong for me not to, being from New England and being in Boston these days. Um, but ultimately, I don't, I don't like coffee. So yeah. I like... I like going to Dunkin'. I like their food. I like their like their bagels. I like their I mean their donuts are 
as far as donuts go, they're not good donuts, no, but I still not. like them. Yeah, you know, they're like, not I'll, as good as like Krispy Kreme donuts. But you're right, they're they're fine. Yeah, like, right. I don't like. Yeah, it's I'm not gonna not get a donut if I bet Dunkin' Donuts. You know, mm-hmm. unless I'm getting other food. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, no, I I actually can't <laughs> agree with that, but. You know, I, I get the concept. I didn't even mention. Um, I, and they do have good food. Yeah, like, I, I like their yeah. bagels as well. I like their, you know, bacon, egg, and cheese sandwiches. So They they made the, the um whatever, the, the impossible sausage or whatever, that thing was pretty good. I think Beyond Sausage. Beyond Sausage, is that what it was? Yeah. I think you're getting um, mixed up with pre- the Impossible Whopper at Burger King. No, Impossible and Beyond Meat, they're just It's It's so brands. hard because they're both like, they're both just like, oh, it's Impossible. It's Beyond Meat. Yeah. It's, it, it's too similar. Uh-huh. Um, it's like how every horror movie just has a generic horror movie name, and I can't remember which is which. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, so so Duncan, like, I like the culottas. Like, uh, Brian, you mentioned the frozen chocolate. Is, I like that. Um, but ultimately, I don't like coffee. So I, I, that's, that's kind of why I didn't put it on. And if it comes to getting a drink... If I am going to have coffee, I usually, I mean, I used to work at Starbucks, so I've got Starbucks and my favorite drink from Starbucks is chai, which way outshines Duncan's chai. It's not even close in my opinion. So, so that's ultimately why I didn't put Duncan. I don't, I don't um, blame you. I mean, when it comes to coffee, even though it's, even though in the, in the winter it's in the twenties or lower, I get iced coffee over hot coffee. I never yeah. get hot coffee. Right. Oh, I don't yes. know why, but I, mean, I just I'm, prefer the taste of iced coffee. I'm the same with, I would, I'll always get an iced chai from, for, unless I'm going to be like actively outside and I want it to warm me up. Uh, even if I'm like walking to somewhere outside, it's the only iced. hot drink I like is hot chocolate. And the only time I get hot chocolate is whenever we go to Fenway, uh, yeah. and watch a Red Sox game and it's a little chilly out, uh, and very expensive yeah and i'll still mm-hmm. i'll <laughs> still spend the seven dollars it costs or whatever it is <laughs> yeah but yeah Dun- duncan is definitely like there's a lot of nostalgia to it still and like when i'm with my parents they go there quite a bit and i like going there but it i i couldn't i couldn't put it on my list um it just it wouldn't have made sense no that's that's fair in, in the end we um, brian and i talked about it enough so it's okay <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's all i just want it like it's worth talking about because I do like yeah. it. It's just not, it's not like the rest. Yeah. Um, and to anyone who knows me, this should come as no surprise whatsoever. Even just the way I've been talking <laughs> during this list, <laughs> probably not surprised that this is a pizza place, but my number one is Domino's. Uh, it's, it's, it's pizza. Like it, it had to be pizza. Domino's has always been there for me when I need them. <laughs> They're like people it's it's another thing people criticize domino's pizza i have a friend who says that it tastes like feet i don't get it i've never tasted a foot but i don't think if if a foot tasted like domino's pizza i would be chomping on that foot it's <laughs> it's good like it's good fresh it's good leftover reheated um and it's just, it, like yeah i don't it's they're with their coupons they're they're pretty cheap the one near me is has great service and is is they make really good pizza um and when it comes to like other pizza places, because pizza is far and away my favorite food, um, you know, if you ask me, do I want pizza or tacos? I'm going to say pizza every time. But Taco Bell, to me, for my number two, for example, is better than like Pizza Hut and other chains other than Domino's. Domino's is just, they're, they're the number one across the board. I mean, other than like, you know, local pizza places, um, it's just, they're they're quick they're convenient they're fairly cheap they'll deliver and they're everywhere you know i had dominoes and when i was in scotland they're 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 just they're everywhere 
Um, and the people, the people who, who trash talk it, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're jealous of Domino's. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I, mean, I think good. Domino's a, yeah, is a little overrated. And uh, I, I kind of agree with you, you. what you said that <laughs> when it comes to pizza or tacos, I, I would also rather have pizza for sure. I, but I guess when it comes to the national chains, I, I would take Taco Bell over pretty much all of them. But like, but I like pizza more. But it's the local places or just random, just random local right. places that that just tend to have the best pizza. Uh, yeah, and like here's the thing with Domino's is that nobody who loves Domino's is going to reasonably sit here and say that it's better than local pizza. Like like no. you, like I know you have yeah. local spots that you'd rather go to. But the thing about Domino's is it's the best for takeout. Yeah. It's like the best for. Or let me say that rephrase it. It's yeah, it's the best it's for the best. For like a for a chain restaurant, yeah. like quick yeah. fast food, I, greasy whatever pizza, like if that's what you want, whether it's you know late night or you know whatever the mood is, like that's it's the go. I, I do agree with that. I I like it more than Pizza Hut. What what other uh, national chain? Yeah, Papa, Papa John's. John's Pop, yeah, I I, yeah, I I think that's only yeah. New England, is Papa but, Gino's is yeah. Papa Gino's regional? Just, okay, no, Papa John's yeah, regional. Papa yeah, John's. Yeah, if, if Papa Gino's is on that list, I definitely would take Domino's over that and. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing with Domino's is that for what it's designed for, they do it better than anyone else. Uh, that and, I, you know, sometimes you just want Domino's. Sometimes you want Domino's over like some fancy, you know, local yeah, I, restaurant pizza. I agree with all of that. Uh, so for my number one, uh, it's Wendy's, <laughs> and <laughs> I'll admit it's a simple choice, but I, I I love Wendy's. I I I love their burgers. I love their their chicken sandwiches. I love their Frosties, vanilla or chocolate, doesn't matter. I, I especially love it when they have the 50 cent deal uh, for their for their Frosties. Their fries are definitely solid. And I it, I went to Wendy's so much in senior year of high school, it got to the point where the cashier would literally try to guess my order and he would get it right. And then, <laughs> and, and, nice. and what was funny about that is that I always asked for plain with ketchup on my for the burgers and chicken sandwiches, I didn't want anything else on it. And every single time, it was messed up, which 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 kind of stung. But at the same time, I would get fr- uh, more free burgers and sandwiches, and I would just try to scrape off the the little bits of uh, pieces on the other burgers and chicken sandwiches that I didn't like, and I would just get a bunch of free food at Wendy's, and it was always a a great place to go to after uh, track track practices or track meets, and Corey was definitely a part of that as well. And so, he used to get yelled at for showing up to track practice with Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not just the it's not just the quality of the food; it's also uh, the memories as well going there as well. So I I definitely had to put Wendy's number one. There's a decent chance that i actually end up going to wendy's after we're done recording this for dinner (laughs) because i still haven't eaten it's gonna be a long night of editing uh i was tempted to put wendy's in here in my top five it's it's great it's almost the new uh taco bell sonic for me because there's a a wendy's right down the road so does my list i go a lot No, no, it's fine. I love Wendy's. Like it's one that it's. I'm not gonna get rid of it by any means. I could go there once a week and love it. I just can't go there three times a week. I think I would get sick of it at that point. Uh, regardless, my number one is a sit down restaurant that was on your list already, Brian, and that is Olive Garden. This is one for me where it goes right back to Chili's in terms of a restaurant that I love going to as a kid, and I still love going to it today. 
I obviously, obviously the breadsticks, they're great. Everyone thinks of those instantly with uh, Olive Garden, but like you mentioned with the fettuccine Alfredo, that's always my go-to there. I I'll get that over the tour of Italy because it's just so uh, good I'll, on I'll, its own. I'll admit, whenever I go, I debate between tour of Italy or just the fettuccine, just fettuccine <laughs> yeah, Alfredo. Cause yeah, because it's so so good. It's so good, so good. And I'm I feel like I'm one of the few people who prefers salad over soup, but I I've always been a, a big fan of their salad and. I, there was really the the place that made me realize that I love black olives because whenever I was a kid and I would go to Olive Garden, everyone would just give me the black olives because they either didn't like it or they didn't like it enough to you know keep me from having all of them. <laughs> so I uh, huge fan of Olive Garden. I don't care if it's not real Italian food. I I think it's great for Americanized Italian food, and I have no shame in saying that it's my favorite chain restaurant. Yeah, I, every every time I've mentioned it that. I like Olive Garden and some of my uh, family on my my mom's side. Uh, whenever I've told them that, and they say, "Oh, Olive Garden's not real Italian," I don't, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get people. Don't care people get all. so like people get so elitist about it. It's the same way of like people trash talking like places like Taco Bell and Domino's. I feel mm-hmm. like where it's like, "Oh, that's not real pizza. That's not real Mexican food." It's like I know. That it's good though. Like, yeah. What what does it matter if it's real? I enjoy it. Why do you have to get on my back about it? Yeah, uh, and like, I haven't. It, it's another thing where it's like I've had local Italian food that tastes better than Olive Garden. But if we're strictly talking about just national chain, right. a place you can go to, like Olive Garden is always going to be kind of like at top of mind when you think of Italian restaurants wherever you are in the country because they're all over the place and it's so easy to be able to just go to one of those and you know everyone will be satisfied with it. Yeah, and I, I probably haven't been at Olive Garden in a decade, maybe. Um, really? I haven't I haven't even been there uh, that many times, to be honest. But it's good. Like I yeah. I've only had good experiences there. It's just that I, we didn't go there much when I was a kid, and um, I don't even know where there's one around me. If there is one, there probably is somewhere. I'm um, sure there is, but I mean, you're also in Boston, so maybe like there, true. it's less popular when you know every other right. restaurant is Italian. But well, right, and in Nashua. It, well, Olive Garden is like fancy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which it's not, but it's, there, it's Nashua. See, the thing fancy. is, Nashua has some really good Italian restaurants in it. So, like, there are plenty True. of options to go to outside of Olive Garden, but, you know, every now and then you got to throw Olive Garden in there. What's, what's funny is. Right. I've been to like Louis Louis more than Olive Garden. <laughs> what's what's yeah. funny is that Kenny's first episode, when we were talking about the city of Nashua, we talked about all the fun things around there, but it's not yeah. even in Nashua. It's in, no, Olive Garden is not in Nashua. Oh, is it not? No, it's on the other side of the border in Tingsboro, Mass. See, <laughs> see, I didn't, I couldn't even tell you exactly where it is. I went there yeah. that infrequently, but no, uh, that makes, I knew it was that yeah. area, so that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's it's, why it's Nashua fancy because it's not in yes, Nashua. Exactly. Not in Nashua. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's. I mean, you're basically getting a foreign experience just yeah, exactly. crossing the border. So might as well be Italy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll wrap up our top five, and that'll wrap up this episode. So, Brian, we did get one short episode. Hey, you know, just the no, two of us. Whenever once it got halfway, <laughs> we don't talk to Kenny enough. Like there, you know, once a month, we gotta bring him on and just have a fun. There were a lot of good topics, and Kenny is on the combination of both of those things. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I always say we got short in the episodes, but it's like you know what? For this one, I don't. I don't give a shit. I thought it's, it was going to be a shorter one, and then it just wasn't. I, I did too. It wasn't, but that's okay. If people, you know, if, if it's too much, they, they can, can skip they, around. Yeah, just, I'll you know. admit that is a good point. That you could just, if if there's one specific topic that you're interested in, you can just listen to that twenty or thirty minute thing. I, well, I guess for the food, the food one for top yeah. five, that'd be forty five minutes or so. But whatever. <laughs> 
No, that's okay. We uh, we always love having Kenny on. Definitely want to you know keep this going as much as possible. Of course, check out Kenny's other podcast, C Team Show, his Twitch stream. Which I don't know if you want to drop any more plugs than that. Uh, I'll say my I'll say my Twitch name. I don't think I said it at the top. It's uh, Twitch.tv/GroboStreams. That's G R O B O Streams. If you want to check it out, play games, hang out, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, for my co-host Brian Wells and our guest host Kenny Cashman, I'm Corey Navani. Thanks, everyone. Mm-hmm.